So welcome to another Coffee and Heroes podcast that is now time for our monthly review show. Um, we're actually going to be trying a bit of a new format this time which we hope you guys will dig. We're going to be looking at our favourite titles from each week of the month. Uh, I should say this is our October review show for releases in September. This will be spoiler filled uh, but let's, uh, let's crack on. <laughs> So reviews today, uh, got an interesting panel today, uh, as always your host Alan, owner and operator of Coffee and Heroes, I'm joined by Roddy, who is a writer. There we go, I yeah, would we get it out of you there. about that, I'm, I'm a writer of The Soul of the Sea, Tales of Fractured Worlds, Tales of the Fractured Mind and lots of other stuff. Got a novel coming out so check that out soon. Also joined by Keith, who is... Happy to be here. Happy to be here. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> but uh, yeah, we're uh, going around the introductions now because we're actually joined by a new voice today. Um, new boy! New boy um, who keeps ready, ready to kill due to his opinions on Star Trek and Stargate. Um, but no, we're joined by a good regular store, good friend of the store. Um, I mean, he's a Superman fan, but don't hold that against him. We're joined by... Keelan. So, Keelan, how did you find the store then in the first place? I got directed to the store by Brandon. We worked together in Odeon mm-hmm. and we got talking during a fire drill. We got distracted during the fire drill talking about comics. We both died in the fire drill. Uh, but we were still happy because we both found out we like comics. Brandon uh, introduced me to the store, sent me the way of Alan and I went with two things on my pull list. I think it was Action Comics and Superman. And it's a lot more now. Then he got introduced to the world of Batman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, Kaelin's been coming to us for a long time. Also, you know, he'll not tell you this himself, but very, very talented artist. We've got some of his work on display in the store. Um, he's currently indulging in Inktober, doing little uh, doing drawings every day. No Marvel characters yet. Sorry, DC Keith. only. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we yeah, I'll have our feelings. But yeah, we'll have links at the end of the show to sort of Facebook and Twitter profiles and all the rest where you can check out some of Keelan's work um, as well as obviously Roddy's upcoming events and stuff happening in the store and all the rest. As I say, we have a new format, but just before we dig into that, we are just going to have a quick word on Joker. Uh, recently released, uh, we were fortunate enough uh, to be teaming up with the movie house. They very graciously invited us to a press screen. Um, myself, Roddy, Keith were there along with Vicky. Keelan's seen the movie since as well. Um, just be a quick general opinions because I'm we're gonna I'm gonna be doing a, a reviews podcast in more depth later. But yeah, fuck me, what a movie! Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very good. Yeah, really enjoyed. It's probably not the right word. Very visceral. Um, enjoyed for me. I'll just say I thought it was a maybe five star performance in maybe like a. A four-star film. Not not everything quite added up for me, but my God, that man was Joker. I mean, yeah, I I think it's not unfair to say five minutes into the movie, you forgot about any other performance. You forgot about Jack Nicholson. You forgot about Heath Ledger. I mean, those are no mean feats because those are great, great performances in their in in their own. Um, I mean, yeah, enjoy's a weird word to use, but. You know, here we are a week later. The movie still hasn't left me. I'm still yeah, thinking still about think it. About I'm still it, yeah. dissecting it. I'm still, you know, one of the joys of owning the store is I get to have many different conversations with many different people, many different viewpoints. Um, but my favorite part of it was 
this is going to sound a little weird, but my favorite part of it was the end because Keith turned to me, Mr. Marvel himself went, well, that was fucking incredible. <laughs> <laughs> and it was. It absolutely was. It was It was grounded. It was gritty. It was fantastic. Hellcon uh, Phoenix was, um, and as and, and all things that he used yeah, to, to yeah. perform in, uh, really fantastic. There was great nods, I think, to all of the previous uh, Joker performers, uh, you know, back to... Cesar Romero to Jack Nicholson to Heath Ledger um, in it. Um, it was it was very well put together. It was a, be- a well put together movie. Um, yeah. A couple of things in it that uh, annoyed me a little bit, but just minor minor tweaks. Um, but yeah, as you say, the performance was was fantastic. Oh, you know, I think maybe what DC are doing, where they're sort of just separating everything out, just doing separate movies, might be might be the way forward for them now, given everything that's gone before. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, definitely. How about yourself? Uh, well, I only saw it last night. Um, fresh. I, exactly, it's fresh. Um, it, like Alan said, it hasn't left me. Uh, it was thrilling, which is something I've never described a movie as, thrilling. But I went to see it with someone who isn't a comic fan. And so going into it, I was like, I'm going to like this. No, loved it. Was freaked out by some of the stuff that happened. Yeah. Uh, it is quite a... It's very raw. It doesn't pull any punches. As Ronnie says, visceral. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but he loved it, and I loved it. It. It's not something I'm going to be in a hurry to watch because I think if you watch it too many times, there's a little bit. It's a little bit worrying. But it's definitely as soon as it's out on Blu-ray, it's definitely coming. Oh, out. I'm looking forward to yeah. it. Definitely. Mm. It was quite funny because old uh, Marty Scorsese got himself into some trouble with. Uh, Marvel, Marvel fans movies, recently yeah. DC but man was, I knew was, Marty had tears it was quite funny because <laughs> I looked at this and this was obviously Todd Phillips's tribute to like King of Comedy and uh, Taxi Driver and it was to me it felt like what Marty Scorsese describes as cinema yeah. it was a tribute to that sort of thing yeah because it was so character yeah. driven you know the, I, I think with the sorts of Scorsese comments just have a slight tangent I don't necessarily like. He never said the Marvel movies, and and I think was he talking about Marvel movies? I think he was. He was saying he said Marvel movies, but the thing is, I think the Marvel movies are now so synonymous with comic book cinema Uh that it's just an umbrella. It's almost a genre. Yeah. Um. So I think he was talking about them all, but what he was saying was their well executed theme park rides, which to a degree a lot of them are. But you can't tell me that the relationship between Bucky and Steve Rogers isn't great character exploration. You can't tell me. As much as I'm not a fan of Tony Stark, you know there is a bit of a character journey there. <laughs> there a bit, a tiny bit. Just let him have it. Let yeah. him have it. That that's as complimentary as I get. Um, but you know what I mean. There are elements to it, but I don't think what he was saying was necessarily that insulting. You know that it is entertainment made for the mass media. Joker is not a movie that everyone's gonna like. It's gonna be a polarizing movie. But everyone will see. But everyone will see because <laughs> yeah. it's it's very much a conversation piece. Yeah, it is a mass market yeah. movie, like. And even that in itself is really interesting because there's all this backlash at the moment and like Warner Brothers just sitting there laughing all the way to the bank because nothing gets people to flock to the cinema quicker than controversy. Yeah. And I don't even think it's yep. that controversial. No, it's not controversial at all. You know, the there's, violence... Uh, there's to me, the, it's not controversial. There is a controversial song in it, but I don't yeah. know if that's spoilery for people. I I'll leave know. it at that. I wasn't a fan of that. Mm-hmm. There's but one act of violence in it that's very dark and visceral. But you've seen worse in cinema. But you've seen you've seen yeah. worse in TV. Yeah, Walking Dead's probably gorier than yeah, this movie, you know. Yeah. But but overall, yeah, I loved it. As I say, I'm going to be doing a bit of a longer review with uh, with James coming up soon. Um, 
But yeah, Joker, loved it. Um, I agree with Keith, this is the direction DC should be going. Self-contained movies, little nods to other characters, but that's all you need. You don't need yeah. this big connected universe. I mean, I would, I, would like, I would like to see more of a connected universe, but if they, only if they can do it right. Yes, you know what I mean? they haven't. Which is interesting with J.J. Abrams coming on board to Warner Brothers. Maybe he could shepherd something yeah, like that. Yeah, that's where I think we'll that's going to go. But but so Start slow. So long as Henry Cavill still Superman, I'm good. Well, I'm going to blow Kaelin's mind right here because just imagine a movie like Joker done, but it was Luther instead of Joker. Yeah, that, that would be might good. be a bit very on topic at the moment. <laughs> yeah. The megalomaniac president. Yeah, yeah, that it's could be interesting. Mm-hmm. It's not um, really much satire in it, is yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. No, it's not, it's not too far to think. Wasn't Luther president at a time? He was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 imagine that. Only he's clever. <laughs> but well, it only again. took about seven minutes this time for Keith to get back <laughs> uh, yeah so that was just very quickly just wanted to throw out those thoughts but yeah we do want to we do want to try and focus these review podcasts a little bit um, you know especially Keith and I get very carried away and just ramble on but uh, no, we're, so we've, we're experimenting with a new format and please we, we do welcome feedback on what people like um, what we're going to be doing with the reviews podcast now so we we always look at the previous month, give people enough time to read, catch up. Obviously, life gets in the way sometimes, so these do tend to be spoiler-filled. But what we'll do is look at each release week, and we'll all pick out what our favourite title was that week. There might be the honourable mention, because Keith can't control himself. Um, and then what we'll also do is um, we'll pick out what we thought was our best title of the month. It was funny, Keith and I talked about this format, and we did say, you know, it's okay if titles overlap. So, of course, the first time we do this, zero titles overlap. <laughs> uh, we all have now, our... As I was told beforehand, the weekly titles mm-hmm. can overlap. Can overlap. Yes. But your pick of the month cannot. Yeah, I think the pick of the month generates a bit more discussion. So I think that maybe, yeah. It, yeah. Well, and would it be a good idea to put it out there to the listeners to give us their pick of the month? Oh, Always. Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. And how would they do that? Uh, I mean, yeah, we always post the, the links to these through our Twitter profiles, Instagram, Facebook, everything. You know, comment away, guys. You know, generate discussion. Um, yeah. And I think with this more focused method, as you say, it's easy for people to look back at their weeks and go, well, yeah, I enjoyed that the most and that sort of thing. So um, we are going to kick off with the first week in September, which was the mm-hmm. 4th of September. Um, you know, one thing we should preface this by saying for September is we're going to completely bypass House of X and Powers of Ten. That's nothing to say that they weren't some of the best issues of the month because some of them really were. Best issues of the last two oh, months. Some of the best issues of the year. Yeah. Um, but we have talked before about we're going to do like a little uh, podcast just dissecting House and Powers together. Yeah, like a book club. Yeah. A little book club, something as a little bit of a precursor to um, the Dawn of X, which is going to be the new X Men titles, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So we won't be mentioning any more of House and Powers in the rest of this podcast. So we'll look past that. Um, so for the week of the 4th we thought why not put all the pressure on the new boy and make him go first so with gritted teeth and a smile (laughs) I hand you over to Keelan for his pick from the 4th of September so my pick was Absolute Carnage Symbiote Spider-Man tie-in I don't normally go for tie-ins because I generally prefer to keep to the main series and I swore to Alan that when I picked up Absolute Carnage I would stick to just the main 4 slash 5 issues originally were you not just issue 1 and um, we'll see. Yes, but we'll see turned into good quality comics. So <laughs> um, never a bad thing. I had collected the Symbiote Spider Man's mini series, and when I saw the tie-in, it was the same team, which pretty much guaranteed the quality of it wasn't going to dip. 
which is always my worry with tie-ins. Is Francesco Pompili the artist on Silver Spider-Man as well? He's the same writer. Ah, yeah. Let's not get me confused about artists again. <laughs> just wonder, just wonder. Uh, we do. Uh, in fairness, Greg Land, who did the art and symbiote, he, he is did. the cover yeah. artist. Yeah, so. you're right. You're right. Um, and interesting, there is going to be another mini series coming back with symbiote because it's proven well. But yeah, we alien reality. Did yeah. that in previous. Ah, Billy was old man Hawking. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've heard good things about this. Um, Absolute Carnage, symbiote Spider-Man. It was not what I expected. It. I haven't read the alien suit saga uh, which Keith saga is, of the alien costume yeah that would be the one <laughs> which Keith is now glaring at me for but and so, also offered to lend you <laughs> that too uh, but this one it started off I went in knowing nothing just assuming it would be a tie in to possibly the mysterious symbiote owner would be uh, Mysterio from the original or sort of from the Spider-Man miniseries uh, but it completely turned it on its head. It wasn't. It was the original guy who, I believe, he bore the symbiote between the man. Known, Reed Richards taking it. It was a guy named uh, Leonard Eckhart, uh, who well, he's he'd named Leonard Eckhart in this, but in the in the original uh, Spectacular Spider-Man '99 and hundred uh, by Al Mulgrew and Herb Trimp, uh, he was only known as the tourist. Uh, so yeah, you're exactly right. Uh, when Spider-Man learned that, as it says in the, the preface here, that his all-black costume was a sentient being known as the Symbiote, he had Reed Richards extract and contain the living suit that is until it broke out and attached itself to a tourist, our tourist here, from Indiana and used him, used him to swing back to Peter Parker's apartment. So he bonded with him for like 10 minutes in order to get across town. Because uh, whenever the symbiote's by itself, it's just a floppy liquid mess. Um, so so yeah, so this... This shows a lot of research and done in Case's part to find out anybody who's bonded with the symbiote. I would wonder if there, if, if that's where it's come from. Yeah, yeah, if that's where the you know, because obviously Donny Cates leading absolute, absolute carnage, carnage, and he's gone. He's obviously gone through everything. Picked yeah. out you feel with the quality of absolute yeah. carnage, he's definitely yeah. gone back and been like, who could I bring in? How you know, so did, did Peter David go here, Donny? Who else bonded with a symbiote that you're not doing anything with? And Donnie goes, there was a dude on two pages of 99 and 100. Go. <laughs> Faithfully reproduced here at the start of this issue as well. Yes, very lovely. Me and Keith had a discussion whether it was actually from the original yeah, run yeah, or, or it was just re Beautifully done yeah. in the original style. You know, as it turns out, it is from the original. But, yeah. So, so the actual issue itself opens pretty gloom setting. It's someone in cuffs in the orange jumpsuit. At that his. is Leonard Eckhart. That's the tourist. Many years later. Yeah, it's been quite a while. He doesn't look the best. He's obviously in prison, and he's at a parole hearing, I believe. And it's he's just done. He's been questioned about the crime he committed, which is the meat of the story itself. I think that's really interesting. The parole hearing at the table uh, are asking him to tell a story. He says it. It all really started after my trip to New York, and they ask a business trip, and he goes, "No, no, strictly tourist," <laughs> <laughs> which is what he was known as. Yeah, and then it, the most of the story is him uh, reiterating how his journey went, being in New York, seeing these fantastic heroes. You've got Spider-Man, Thor, sending a replica helmet. I'm sure it sells for a lot on eBay. <laughs> Doctor Strange, Captain America, just. Wandering through what would be their normal day, seeing superheroes fly about. Got a bit of a Marvel's vibe to it there. It definitely, it definitely does, and and uh, Leonard has a wee bit of a because he's from Indiana yeah. and he's a tourist in New York, so he's 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 split up with his wife 
and he's his wife has told him it's really dangerous he's never wanted to come but whenever he did she die did the wife die uh, is that it but either you know either way he's he's free to come to new york now and experience these things you the, know the mom him and the his wife have broken up that's yeah, yeah. that could be it I, th- I think she left him usually the way these stories go uh, but basically, it's the first flashback starts off with him in a doctor's office with a doctor giving him confusing results of they can't find any illness, they can't find any disruptions in his systems. He's confused as to why. Because obviously, whenever the symbiote took him, yeah. he blacked out as Peter did whenever in the annual. Yeah, yeah, whenever, yeah, yeah, whatever the symbiote's took, the, Yeah, the symbiote took him swinging. So the same thing happened. You know, Leonard blacked out, and he's gone to the doctor now to trigger, figure out why he's blacked out later. You know, whenever he comes home from New York and uh, and all of that. And uh, I guess the story progresses. Am I right, Caelan? That you know, he's after this checkup. You know, uh, he goes to meet his son. Yeah, he goes to meet his son. Go for a bit of dinner. They bump into a customer everyone is familiar with, who uh, just wants to speak to the manager, wants their problems fixed. Uh, everyone's favorite person to be behind in line. Only normally um, that person's not a super villain. Yes, it turns out that this person has a few enhancements and powers, uh, decides to throw throw the staff around, wreck a few customers, but eventually the police come and detain her, and the judge and his son just look on. Yeah, and Leonard, Leonard should point out, Leonard Eckhart Leonard is, is, the judge. is the judge. <laughs> so he's witnessed the crime, but is also the judge. That's what the tourist's it is, job yes, is. Yes, uh, uh, it turns out he's in... He's trying cases in New York, and one of the cases he happens to be trying is this new one. Yeah. Uh, that has come across him of this person that he was behind the line. He witnessed it, and this lady blames him because it's his fault. She's going down. He she'll pay. She'll make him pay. Uh, it doesn't change his, his opinion of it. Still, so you come out of crime. So that's it. It's my court, my law. And uh, uh, it seems that she escapes because uh, whenever the son and Leonard arrive home. Uh, Somebody's waiting faced, for them. They are faced with uh, the self-same Quickie Burger customer, the same girl from the court, who it turns out is the white uh, well-known Marvel villain, the White Rabbit. Uh, Say well-known, I do not know her. She's been in Amazing Spider-Man, Spider-Man fairly Spider-Man, recently. Yeah. She's uh, she's a long-known, has uh, been a kind of a joke villain since the seventies. Okay, uh, it's not well. I guess kind of a joke here. Uh, her 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 filling about uh, causes the son to have a heart attack. Yeah, she tries to uh, use a few scare tactics, a few funny props, and it backfires in that the son has, I think it's a heart attack. It's, it's a heart attack, yeah. Yeah. Um, and obviously the judge isn't too pleased about this, but the White Rabbit decides she can try help with her uh, shock gloves and resuscitates the the son while the father, the judge, the tourist, uh, yeah. the many, many titles is screaming angry, understandably, that it's her fault that she's done this. She's killed his son uh, and it costs the funeral. He can't cope with it and it all he falls is... apart. It all falls apart for him based on yes. the fact he was effectively possessed by this symbiote. Just there's a there's a chain of events. Chain of events that, that led to this. From the, the possession of the symbiote to, to this, to to the son dying, to to the white rabbit being back in court again to be prosecuted for the death of the son. But this time Leonard decides he's going to take it into his own hands. He buys a gun and he's going to go in there and make kill justice. Her, kill it, make, yeah, have his own justice because justice up until now hasn't worked for him. Uh, White Rabbit, uh, she engineers an escape from uh, from the courtroom uh, and leaves uh, 
leaves Leonard, who has produced a gun in a courtroom to be prosecuted. Um, uh, he's actually fired the gun. There's been a struggle. He's fired the gun, and instead of shooting the white rabbit like his target, he's actually shot the uh, court clerk. Right. So he's managed to kill an innocent bystander in his vengeance, and is I guess just to break down again. He uh, he pleads uh, not guilty due to temporary insanity, uh, but he gets put away anyway. Ends up in prison as an older man, and that's when we come back to the parole hearing at the start. Um, he mentions throughout about how he didn't do well in prison, don't like to judge in prison. He put most of the people he was away with in there. So, so yeah. he didn't have a fun time in prison. No, definitely not. And uh, so his wife left him. There's his a son's of, dead. Not there's a bit times. of an Andy different. Or no, not an Andy. You remember uh, Red from Shawshank Redemption? Mm-hmm. There's a wee bit of a situation there where you know he's got nothing left. He's institutionalized a wee bit. He doesn't want to go out. So uh, he's sent back to his room, the parole hearing. You know, because he doesn't really give a crap. Parole hearing is, is, is seen away, and whenever he gets back to his prison, the white rabbit's there at the bars. Sort of, uh, she's been keeping tabs on him, and she keeps tabs whilst the guard walks up to the uh, to the the jail um, unannounced and reveals himself to be uh, your friend and mine, <laughs> Cletus Cassidy, Carnage. half dead, half He's alive, Carnage, my friend. <laughs> who uh, who is there for one reason and one reason alone to collect his codex. Very nicely back yeah. in absolute Carnage. So so that's that's the beauty of it. It's very little of the actual story itself compares to. Or links to absolute carnage, but well, every mean, bit of it is brilliant. Well, the, when the crux of it is, is that is that Leonard has been possessed by the symbiote and therefore has a codex in him, and that's what carnage, carnage needs. needs. That's what absolute carnage is all about. Carnage so wants, just, carnage yeah. Needs. So the white rabbit uh, witnesses from the window carnage pulling out uh, Leonard's spine and sucking on his codex. So right. yeah. So straight in, no foreplay. Straight in, no kissing. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So. But just everything about it, it genuinely surprised me how much I did enjoy this. Between the story, the art, uh, the ending, it doesn't really affect. You don't have to have read the original miniseries. But it's a true it, time. It's, it's a, a true time. time. You don't have to worry about... All you have to know is at one point Spider-Man had a black suit and there's a lot of stuff going on. It's cool because yeah. it ties into both. Yeah, it, yeah. Ties, into, it ties into the saga of the alien costume. It's, really it's a, it's a bridge. It's the next, the next reprint yeah. of the uh, alien costume saga. Yeah, yeah. With this just slitting. That's what's been good about Absolute Carnage so far. You don't have to read every tie in, but you can pick and choose which ones you want. And there has been a lot of good one shots. I really enjoyed um, uh, Symbiote of Vengeance. Symbiote of Vengeance yeah. was very good. The Ghost Rider one. Uh, I've got Immortal Hulk to read this week. I'm looking forward to it. Yes, too. looking forward to it. And th- I mean, I think that's the joy of these things is that whenever you have. The writer and the yeah. team from the original book, yeah. you know, from so Peter David wrote some yeah. Spider-Man, yeah. writing the tie-in. Al Ewing, yeah. Ed yeah. Breeson, who's on Ghost Rider, wrote yeah. the Symbiote <coughs> of Vengeance. Yeah, so yeah. and uh, it's it's I, I said it before. I said it about War of the Realms. Whenever tie-ins uh, add value without being necessary, yeah. that's perfect. Yeah, you know, uh, and the quality it just feels like it's a natural part of Absolute Carnage. Absolute Carnage has been great. Yep. Tie-ins sometimes dip. But this one just held it, held it steady, and was very thoroughly enjoyable. Yeah, excellent. So that was Kalen's first choice from the fourth of September release schedule, which was Absolute Carnage Symbiote Spider-Man number one. Um, we may have a new format, but the same old titles come up. Roddy, All right. your choice. Uh, my choice 
for the 4th of September was die number 7. What's die about? What's die? <laughs> well, if you don't know by now, if we haven't talked enough about it, in 1991, six teenagers disappeared into a fancy role-playing game. Only five returned. 2018, they're all dragged back in. They can't go home until six agree. They don't. The party splits. I love how that uh, what as previously it would have been your previously, previously on, on it's called and it wisdom check. Every time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, we've uh, like like the wee blurb says, we've kind of split our party after the first arc. Uh, so Die 7 finds us sort of in the aftermath um, of uh, was Ash kill, uh, killing where are you up to and Die? I'm all caught up don't worry oh right okay because <laughs> don't worry I, I didn't um, want to this is about to get spoilery pilfering <laughs> issues left right and center that's, a, that's okay so, um, whew I was a bit nervous there uh, but anyway yes so Saul, the Grandmaster, who made the game, obviously, um, is now one of the Fallen, uh, murdered by Ash, but number seven, we've sort of split everyone, I think, the can't remember who the last issue was about, but it was, we find ourselves with Chuck and Isabel, and Chuck is possibly the most arrogant prick you've ever met. He's the fantasy novelist with all the X-Waves. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. And Isabel's the he's so he's so shallow and yeah. unaffected by the whole thing. Yeah, he's a he's a dick. Which play plays into the story a wee bit. We've got Isabel, the divorced school teacher, um, with aggressively bilingual intelligence. Um, so at the start, uh, Isabel is trying to document. She's writing in a diary. She's trying to document everything about what's happening to them in this uh, fantasy world. Obviously, Chuck binds in and he's like, what are you doing? Uh, and she's like, oh, I'm trying to write a story. And then he's like, just to write a story, that's self-indulgent bullshit. Be a professional, <laughs> only ever write for the money. Wish I could say that. <laughs> <laughs> but so anyway, that that, um, that really obviously pisses her off. And so, I mean, I guess Chuck's whole thing here is that he's a writer. And the, he writes popcorn fantasy in the real world, isn't that right? Yeah. yeah. And everything, I say, none touches him. And despite the fact they're locked in this fantasy world, he's like, it's not real. I don't care. I can do what I want. I can screw what I want. I can, yeah. you know. Without realizing there is very real consequences to what he does. Yeah, yeah. Um, we'll get to that later. But um, Isabel, basically, uh, I can't remember her title. She's a Godbinder. Godbinder, so she can ask the gods for favours but it costs her there's always a price there yeah. is always much like your Dr. Fate Dr. Strange yeah. Dr. Fate oh my god sorry Dr. Dr. Fate's the other lad yeah uh-huh. Dr. Strange <laughs> always magic Dr. Strange price. is the poor man's Dr. Fate nobody would ever argue that <laughs> ever um, I'm not yeah. even going to continue that <laughs> so yeah this is Kieran Gillen on writing Stephanie Hans continues to absolutely rock it on the art and the colours uh, but this one, uh, Clayton Kyles, oh. Kyles, who does the lettering, he gets a lot to do in this one. He's got um, the gods, sort of. He does get to do nice, nice writing, and he does get to do letters at the start. Really, I don't know about you guys, but for me, that's the sort of stuff that really, really pulls me into mm-hmm. the fantasy the fantasy world yeah I see what you mean the, the, the gods have a different format to their speech bubbles yeah uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah so um, basically the god puts a curse 
on Chuck. That does a Bell's behest. Behest, yeah. Mm. And so he basically, they go drinking, wakes up with a hangover. Um, the world continues, sort of everything continues, and it ends up with them meeting a couple of people, um, not members of the party, but these other sort of deserters, would you say? Yeah. And then they uh, find out that there's a mysterious benefactor, and that's some, what do you say, some Morna, who is an elf queen. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, and uh, Chuck has had a thing with elf queens in the in previous yeah, issues, isn't yeah. that right? Because <laughs> he says uh, he kind of wished he banged her before, so that's charming. <laughs> that's also, that's yeah. Chuck in a nutshell, I think. Yeah, uh, he also had quite a good thing about Twitter. Uh, hold on. I, see, I love this line about Twitter, given that Kieran Gillen is very prolific on Twitter. Yes, yeah, which... Um, let me see if I can find it for you. Um, because Isabel asks him, what is Twitter? And he's like, it's a place to void. Or basically, he's explaining how he, uh, his second wife broke up with him. And he basically made a mistake and CC'd his wife into Twitter when he was trying to get into somebody else's DMs. And then uh, Isabel asks him, what is Twitter? And he says, it's a place devoid of any sentient life, entirely hostile to humanity. A lot like here, really. <laughs> So enjoy that one. Very yeah, funny. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, as we go on, um, there's a lot of he has um, a nice discussion with two to the elf warriors where he, he thinks they're one note characters trying to joke around, and then they sort of turn it back around on him. Yeah, it's kind of fourth wall Excuse breaking me, whenever yeah. they're inside a <laughs> they're already inside a, a thing that construct that they know to be fake, and I think that I mean that's where Chuck's value comes in this story is is reminding you that they're inside a game and this, yes, this isn't yeah. their real lives you know or is it or is it well uh, yep yeah. so basically after the jokes are done we uh, sort of find out the cost uh, Isabel has uh, basically got a titan to uh, appear and this Stephanie hands absolutely blows us out of the water absolutely class looking mm-hmm. beast Titan shows up and basically that is the Chuck's curse. Um, Though he seems also to have contracted a sexually transmitted disease. <laughs> you don't know which is which. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, one way or another he says someone's going to learn a lesson here. So basically, like the issue, it's quite a interesting focus on, I don't know if we've had much real focus on both of them. Yeah. Isabelle um, and Chuck are definitely two sides of a coin, like they're two opposites, two opposite ends of a spectrum, like so it's Yeah, Chuck's sort of been a background comedic relief character to yeah. this point, you know, snappy one liners. But you've never really found a lot of depth to him, so you sort of do find a wee bit of uh, backstory here, which yeah. is always good. I wouldn't say you find a lot of depth to him because there's not a lot of depth to him. Not necessarily depth but backstory, you yeah. know, the ex wives, you know, how they broke up with them, all that kind of stuff. Um, his the dissatisfaction he has with his writing work and all that kind of stuff. So <laughs> you get it, yeah, you get a bit towards the end, but then there's a part where he says, uh, "I think he says he's learned nothing," which is quite funny. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Die just continues to be wonderful. Um, again, you've heard us talk about it many times. Yeah. It's going to reach the point you'll be able to stitch together all the times we talk about dying. It'll be every single issue, <laughs> yeah. and you just won't have to read the thing. Um, yeah, there's there's quite a lot of meta stuff in it. Like um, you don't need to treat me like one of those characters. I'm better written than that, and all. 
there's a lot of stuff like that so it's it continues to be self-referential almost a wee bit yeah yeah really really stunning stuff it's always one of those books that goes to the top of the pile every time it comes out yeah um, can't recommend it enough and beautiful covers as well yeah oh, fantastic and I'm kind of looking forward now to going back and rereading everything that's, that's out yeah um, yeah cool so that was Roddy's pick for the week of the 4th of September that was die number 7 uh, Karen Gillan and Stephanie Hans so we're going to move on to my book next um, it's going to surprise you at all once again that the more things change the more they stay the same it's a Tom Keane book uh, it's not actually Batman for this week but it's actually Superman up in the sky number 3 uh, so this is Tom Keane on writing and I believe Andy Kubert on art um, this book continues to really surprise me I, I know that obviously we've talked before about the cult of Tom Keane and just liking everything that he does and I do love a lot of his stuff there is the odd thing I'm not a fan of and for me I've had this conversation in the store a couple of times in the last couple of days that there's no such thing as a bad character there's just characters not written well I'm not a massive Superman fan, but I do think, you know, sorry, Gil. Uh, but I do think given okay. the right, I do think given the right creators, any character is interesting. Um, what Tom King's doing with Superman here, I think is awesome because they're all shorter stories, all part of a larger whole, but he's basically dissecting the different elements of what makes Superman, Superman. In issue two, we talked about it in the previous podcast where it was the issue where he ended up on the planet in a boxing match and it was all about his will and this unstoppable machine would not stop him so he actually ends up retiring because he just knows he can't defeat Superman's will the first part of this book is Superman it's actually really funny to set up with it so the crux of the story is Superman is basically going through um, this, this solar system looking for this girl who's disappeared because he thinks if he can't see of one soul what's the point so he literally is going to the ends of the earth and, to, and beyond to save her but this issue is literally um, Superman in a waiting room uh, waiting to be called to receive a phone call I believe um, and he needs to be connected so despite all his power and everything else he's sitting in this waiting room looking bored but while he's there his mind just wanders like crazy so his mind just keeps wandering to the longer I'm stuck here and that I can't get back to earth the more danger Lois is in so he starts concocting all these scenarios in his head of how she could die so one there is uh, a part where a plane gets hit it cuts to Lois on board. You know, Jimmy Olsen's tapping his watch going, I signaled him, Miss Lane, don't worry. He'll be here. Boom, plane blows up. Because obviously he's not there, he's sitting waiting. You know, and then you've got this really sort of funny moment where he's trying to get his call connected. And this tiny little being kind of looks like, you know, a miniature alien from the Aliens movies, but tanned instead of black. But Superman's up going, I've already been to this window I spoke with. Name? I'm sorry, please, I spoke with, I think, a Blarian. I didn't get his name. Name. He said the call had been placed and I was just waiting for a pickup to Earth. Name. He said it would be about five minutes. Name. That was four hours ago. Name. And then the slang's great, Superman, with an E. Uh, <laughs> so he spells it all out. So again, he's, he's being made to wait, made to wait, made to wait. But again, he keeps thinking of these scenarios. So Lois being attacked by the Joker. He's got... Um, exploding parcels arriving at their residence you know because he's worried he's not going to get connected to this call from Lois to know she's okay while he's off in this mission um, there's a great sort of nine panel structure we know how Tom Keane loves a nine panel structure 
and some of them are really comedic like she's being eaten by sharks in one she's being eaten by giant monsters in another one she's being you know <coughs> burned at the stake in another one and another one she's somehow in space with her visor cracking um, she's falling out of a helicopter but it all goes through and then he ends up finally getting through to Lois and you know he's just like saying like I miss you too um, it's just a really wonderful um, exploration of Superman and you know one of his weaknesses clearly is that how much he cares about people and therefore his mind wanders he's like what if I'm not there to protect them um, but what he should of course realise is Lois is a strong character in herself so she can she can look after herself it is kind of shown because I think at the end of it he finally gets connected through and then Lois has to cut the call short yeah has to rush off to get another story another script running into danger and he's probably just going through the entire issue again yeah well that's it it's like Perry's going crazy over this evil sentient volcano whatever it is uptown so Lois is still running headfirst into danger but you know Clark will always worry that he's not there to protect her but she even says to him I hope you weren't worried about me what no why would I worry about you Lois I know you can take care of yourself right so she sort of replies she's like well I worry about you Smallville hurry up and find this girl okay um, but yeah just a really wonderful issue based around an idea of Superman waiting to you know call Earth that was all it was um, the second story focuses on um, Superman being dropped into the Great War and you've got a sort of a DC um, Golden Age character here Sergeant Rock um, so Superman is basically discovered in a ditch during this war scenario Sergeant Rock pulls him out um, and Superman wakes up with no memory and what's interesting I love this little line and again I'm not the biggest Superman guy in the world but reading things like this gets me more interested in it but he wakes up and he's talking to Sergeant Rock and he's like you remember anything kid how you got here where you're from from I yeah I'm from Kansas so his first thought isn't I'm from Krypton his first thought isn't I'm an alien his first thought is I'm from Kansas you know because of his upbringing and everything instilled into him so he ends up fighting in this war beside Sergeant Rock but he's in just normal um, soldier uniform he's wearing Clark Kent's glasses um, he's hiding behind Sergeant Rock who's more the hero of this story but it just slowly builds up and you know there's a great panel where Clark's handed a gun and he straight away just puts his hand up and like no gun, guns are not for me um, he's just like I know I don't want the gun I don't know why it's just not who I am but I also know I do want to go with you keep going because somehow that's also who I am so they're trying to make their way through this great war scenario up to this church and it reaches a point where he's able to step out of the trenches and there's this slow reveal of just like the uniform coming off and coming off and then the S coming through and then him just standing and being Sergeant Rock's shield essentially and uh, it sort of ends with the two men shaking hands they've accomplished their missions and Sergeant Rock's the one narrating it the whole way through and at the very end you know Superman's getting ready to fly off and Sergeant Rock says so what do I believe in? it ain't complicated it ain't much I believe in truth I believe in justice I believe in the American way Sergeant Rock says for what this is all we ever do through another day up another hill Sergeant Rock and let me tell you after that day I believe in Superman Superman flies off saying yeah for that Sergeant exactly that thank you for saving the world and then flies off and the next issue I've got upstairs I'm really looking forward to reading it says a race against the flash yeah race against the flash is a great issue this series is incredible I know I sound like such a Tom Keem fanboy but stuff like this is why I'm a Tom Keem fanboy it is absolutely fantastic and again it's it's that whole thing as I said at the start 
there's no such thing as bad characters or characters you're not interested in you just need the right creative team yeah and yeah. this is Superman distilled down I I was saying a little bit before the podcast you know I have certain titles that I recommend to people is you know distilling down a character to their essence and start with that when this hits traded this is going to be my new go to um, mm. thoroughly thoroughly wonderful book um, that's issue 3 of 6 and that's Superman Up in the Sky by Tom Keen and Andy Kubert so my Kellen's just sitting there and all the whole time listening to me talk so passionately about Superman. So they've never heard this before. My mind is blown. <laughs> they were originally the Walmart specials. Walmart specials, they? yes. That's so were, right. So yeah. they were originally collected as like 15-page original stories and then within a 100-page giant reprint uh, scenario. But honestly, I, I, I didn't expect this series to be great. I did jump on it just because it was Tom King, but I thought, I'll read it, I'll forget about it, I'll move on. Mm-hmm. But this series has really got me so far. Um it's some of the best stuff out there I think um, I didn't expect I didn't expect to like it but I'm on board with it a lot more than I thought I would be I jumped on it pretty much just because it was Superman there was an yeah. S on it so I bought it <laughs> uh, but Tom new King. business plan forming buy 100 <laughs> Superman stickers put them, on, <laughs> put them on front covers of random comics that won't sell just put them on my comics that you're selling in the store (laughs) well speaking of distilling characters down to their core and what makes them great um, I mean my obviously as you mentioned at the start of the the podcast Alan for me this month if we weren't looking past Powers of X and House of X one or the other of those would have been one or two in my list you probably would have had one of those every week every week absolutely Um, but uh, that's not the case so uh, what I'm looking at is, a, is what I think is going to be the start of a classic is Dan Slots and, and Paco Medina's uh, Fantastic Four number 14 which is the start of a new story arc uh, called Point of Origin um, it's a fantastic fantastic four story <laughs> <laughs> so it begins with a fantastic four uh, along with uh, Ben's new bride Alicia and the two kids Valeria and Franklin being invited to the National Air and Space Museum in order to unveil the Marvel One which is the rocket that took the Fantastic Four into the Van Allen belt and through the Cosmic Ray belt and where the, the accident happened that turned them into the Fantastic Four but this has now been uh, archived in a museum and the Fantastic Four are there to cut the ribbon uh, and of course the Fantastic Four have always been part superhero family part celebrities you know they were the first heroes that were there in the public eye you know read give them the costumes and such and so in order to be those celebrities so uh so the other given speeches and so forth and so on and they're meeting their fans um the kids are bored uh you know franklin's going it's just a big old dented tube <laughs> you know <laughs> and reads she's a classic franklin perfect lines economy economy of design they just don't make them like her anymore nothing to do with the fact that he designed it um you know that sounds like you describing your favourite arts like clean lines <laughs> you know it's yeah. a classic they don't do it like they used to <laughs> so Valeria you know the daughter exactly that's that FTL drive is so outdated it was going to take you what to one planet and back <laughs> you know we're used to zipping around the multiverse everything in our vehicle bay has is a zillion times faster than that thing and reads like it's not about speed Val it's, it's about a different time the Marvel 1 was like a tall wooden ship of old <laughs> you know so forth and so on Val's going right well you obviously want to spend some quality time with your big cylinder I'm out Franklin you out he's like can't believe we dressed up for this <laughs> so <laughs> Reed's going ah the beautiful lines you really should have worked but 
meanwhile, uh, up in the gantry, we've got uh, we've got Ben. His arm's still in plaster from his fight with the Immortal oh. Hulk, uh, possessed by the Puppet Master, and he's recovering. And uh, you know, and uh, yeah, they're, they're up there, and he is listening to. There's a, a black box recording from the Marvel One, which is taken straight from the from the, uh, the the dialogue from the original, you know, the origin, and Ben relives. The, the traveling through the the cosmic rays and they're penetrating the ship the shielding isn't strong enough you know yeah, I was going to say is it the it's not just the dialogue is that a reimagining no of the panels, it is or? it is a reimagining of the art but yeah. you know juxtaposed against the modern arc of, of uh, Ben and Alicia ben. listening to it um, you know and Ben of course he he you know he's he hears himself saying I'm so heavy I can't move the mm-hmm. moment just before he turned into a monster yeah. Uh, you know, and and expression on his oh, face. it's great, and just pans in, it? you know, as he realizes, and you can see the fear, the same fear that he felt at the time that he's never obviously there's some post traumatic stress here, you know. Mm-hmm. And Alicia, his his wife, who's blind, she can hear the whole thing, and she's going, "That was your past, you know. You're with you're here with me now." Um, and they meet uh, two two new characters, uh, Colonel Dutchman and Captain Sanders, who are the two characters who were originally supposed to join. Reed and Ben on the flight before uh, as you know from the original the origin what happened was whenever the the, the the shielding was declared not up to standard Reed and Reed stole the ship Reed and Ben stole the ship and brought Sue and Johnny along with them they weren't supposed to go apparently so these two were supposed to be on this, this, the trip oh. you know and uh, you know so Johnny and Sue, who were the two people who were not supposed to be in the flight, meet Dutchman, meet Dutch and Sandy, and uh, they're like, "Oh, you're here, you, yeah, sorry. I mean, we we stole your spots." And they're like, "Kid, as far as we're concerned, you did us, you did, you did us a favor. If we'd gone up there, Jesus, there was a one in four chance we might have turned into a monster like the thing, you know." And of course, Johnny then he's like, "Ah, oh, you guys, you know." So anyway, Reed cannot forget about the ship. You know, he's lying in bed with Sue, and he's. You know, she wakes up and he's tinkering with a with a you know a, a digital readout of the ship, and we we see some flashbacks which are kind of strange. You know, of Reed convincing everybody there's Sandy and Dutch in the background and Johnny the kids sitting in the, in the background and Ben Grimm. But it's funny because this is supposed to be like the sixties, and I think this is a cool you know in Marvel's 80th year again. This is a cool throwback to the golden area but even in the 60s Reed has grey temples and Sue's got this beehive (laughs) hairdo you know and clearly it's not supposed to be the 60s anymore yeah you know but still they look old whenever they're young (laughs) you know what I mean because anyway so so Johnny decides this is where we find out that Johnny and again this is backfilling this is sort of backfilling history again a wee bit this is where we see that Johnny decides he wants to go with him train me I can be the backup pilot and Ben trains him Ben trains this kid and Johnny the screw up, the constant, you know, Storm family screw up. When he was a kid, he set his mind to this, you know. He goes two more times around the course, Storm, make it five, you know. And he's going lights out. No, I've, I've still got time to do this, you know, and you know, crank it up, you know, all of this sort of thing. So, so with 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 Ben's help, the kid Johnny, he passes the course and he gets to be trained as the backup pilot for the Marvel One, you know. And this is all juxtaposed against the background in this, but. Reed cannot forget about the Marvel One, and uh, and he's he's up at night, and he's in his lab, you know, and he tells Johnny, he says, you know, this thing should have worked. I want to do it again. I want to retry. So 
he and Johnny put on the put on the you know the the, the, the one <laughs> the piece the overalls yeah. and they get to it you know and he's they're they're welding and they're they're calculating you know and Reed's going excellent work Johnny but I notice you're using an actual welding torch and not your powers and <laughs> uh, and Johnny goes yeah and you aren't stretching when that would make the job a whole lot easier original tools original specs <laughs> <laughs> you know or it doesn't count <laughs> so so it uh, it goes on and on and. Uh, the following morning, Johnny and Reed have recreated the Marvel One. They've, they've built the Marvel Two, you know, and the intention is that they're going to go up in it. But Ben isn't going. Ben doesn't want to. He doesn't want to relive it. He goes, "You're out of your freaking minds!" After what what happened the last time, <laughs> that ship that that ship almost killed us. Why on earth would you rebuild it? Why, you know? Johnny's like, "Because it's awesome. That's why." <laughs> you know. So it goes on and on. The the other three decide that they're decide that they're going and and. Ben decides he's not going and Alicia's going nope absolutely you know let's make sandwiches it's fine I'm going to make the sandwiches for the flight you don't need to go and Ben's complaining what are they thinking you know and she's going yep absolutely unbelievable you know he's like what next they're going to rebuild the Hindenburg or the Titanic you know <laughs> she's like I hear you yep you said it you know <laughs> and he's like nah I'm sticking to my guns on this you know and she's like she goes what if they run into a problem Hike? You know, how could I live with myself if you were there? And he goes, not nah, sticking to my guns. Of course, dear. And then he tunes in and they've got Herbie the robot, you know, sitting in the pilot seat, you know, uh, the three of them and Herbie the robot. And he's like, you've got that freaking robot, you know? So Ben, you know, obviously manipulated by his family, suits up and whenever he gets up into the, uh, whenever he gets up out of the ship, he finds that the pilot seat that Herbie the robot was sitting in is big enough to accommodate his thing form almost like it was built that way <laughs> you know but, uh, you know well ain't this a fortuitous set of circumstances uh, <laughs> that old friend is because Reed says I've left nothing to chance I designed this ship for the best pilot I know and I swear to you this time the shields will hold in that case I've only got two words for you pal buckle up so <laughs> so uh, yeah just the, the you know it, it, fin- it finishes with you know them them blasting off from the middle of Yancey Street the, the four building uh, you know, to go on into the unknown, to do the impossible, travel right off the edge of the map, uh, and this is the start of uh, of, a, of an arc, big called Point of Origin. So we're we're seeing the four of them without the kids now, traveling off to to explore, you know, the universe in their new Marvel Two ship. So very cool. I thought that was fantastic. Yeah, that is one phallic looking ship though <laughs> <laughs> sorry someone had to say it and it had to be you it had, it had to, to be, be you <laughs> <laughs> uh, when that, I mean that ranked up against Immortal Hulk 23 was great this month uh, that, that story is really solid all you think and that yeah. and Legion of Superheroes Millennium yeah as well. I remember reading it and digging it um, but I'll be honest I can barely remember any of it now mm, and Legion 2 really just came stick. out and I'm going to read them back to back I think so I said to Keith beforehand it feels like it could come out just as one thicker one slightly bigger book that yeah. maybe would have read through, through a bit better mm. yeah then another one just that week which was great was Doomsday Clock 11 finally came out but I wasn't going to go into Doomsday Clock again because I say the same thing every time amazing one shot beautiful art worth the wait every time still not sure how it all fits together so <laughs> there, there's there's no point just reiterating yeah. it again and again <laughs> we're all waiting for December possibly the 18th possibly January 2020 no, order that we can put all be optimistic <laughs> December 18th is the current release date if it doesn't hit that it's 2020 
Um, but again, similar to House and Powers, I think we'll probably end up doing a wee book club and Doomsday when it all yeah. fits together. Sounds good. Um, so yeah, so that was the week of the 4th of September. Um, now we're going to move on to the week of the 11th of September and may as well keep this Marvel train afloat. Uh, we move from Fantastic Four to, as Keith was saying, a, a really good celebration of the 80 years of Marvel to another excellent 80 years of Marvel uh, title. Yes, we have... Chip Zdarsky, Butch Geis, and can't remember his name, his first name, Magnos uh, Invaders. It'll be on the first page, there you go. Carlos! Carlos. <laughs> and the colour artist Alex Guillermes. Guillermes. Like in Invaders, another title we've never talked about before. Uh, absolutely <laughs> not. And who's, uh, the, who's this Chip Zdarsky film? Yeah, so again, he's been hidden out of the park with loads of different Marvel comics. Um, Did you say Spider Man Life Story? I didn't, but that's certainly one of them. I just spent my life Very too. eagerly awaiting that trade. Yeah. Are you trade reading that? I did. True to form, I did pinch someone else's issues to read it all, <laughs> but I look forward to reading the trade. Uh, bro. Um, well, anyway, Invaders, what a fantastic series. Um, again, Coming to an end with issue 12. Yeah, yeah. we've got, what's three to go now? Yeah, I think so. And it was originally supposed to be a miniseries too. I think so. so a it? very yeah. sort of weird journey but what a journey it's been so then no more continues on his he's basically his journey into madness has gone i don't know he's gone past the point of no return here. he's uh he's waging war on the surface world again yes he's, and he's uh, going to attack roxon isn't he <clears throat> that's right and uh, well i can understand that i mean roxon are are, are the the bad guys the, the corporate bad guys of the Marvel Universe yeah. um, so oh, so wait, no, another bit of politics coming up entirely entirely all just, above board should just <laughs> mention quickly as well just as you're saying his descent in the madness lovely apocalypse now inspired cover yeah. yes, uh, yes. Namor, so, yeah. half his head above the water yeah, yeah. fire in the background it's beautiful yeah um, but he's um, he started throughout the series he's sort of had a psychic projection projection yeah. of uh Tommy Tommy Mackin who was one of his World War Two buddies who passed away wasn't that yeah. right and I guess it wasn't the crux of it that whenever uh, whenever Namor was rediscovered by, by uh, Jim Hammond the Human Torch that uh, he got he had been in a chemical imbalance and he got together with, there was a secret history he got together with Charles Xavier Charles Xavier tried to cure his psychoses with by by putting the projection of Tommy Mackin into his head mm -hmm. but uh, something went badly wrong didn't it yeah and Namor disappeared <laughs> Charles could never turn that off and Tommy has evolved and I guess the, the dark side of Namor and Namor's head a very dark side um yeah so anyway it's we start off he sort of he almost stands up to Tommy Tommy's sort of been in control of him for the yeah, entire time yeah that's right and he, he blacks out whenever he blacks yeah. out whenever uh, whenever Tommy sort of has control of, of his body isn't that yeah, right or? and he's he's saying I'm wearing the crown which leads us into a lovely flashback I love the juxtaposition in this one um, so if you haven't read Invaders it's probably definitely something to pick up and trade but it goes modern day back to World War Two, which is where the obviously the, the original Invaders, Invaders, met, Invaders yeah. began the winter squad so we're actually introduced to 
here we go. There's sort of they're all sort of battling, and of course, Namor is vile humans, and basically says your reign of terror is over. So swears Namor. He he sort of it shows like the carelessness of Namor. He has I don't know if you want to say his humanity is lost after Tommy, but he yeah. he recklessly throws a tank, and it's up to Spitfire, Spitfire here. Who basically realizes he's thrown a tank and that is going to hit a, a house and obviously or a church, I believe. Um, and so she basically jumps in front of the tank to rescue to rescue the two people inside, and then they sort of get into a bit of back and forth. Um, calls him an idiot, and the more he basically just blows it off. Um, Spitfire just says, "I'm saving lives. The lives you." The lives we're fighting for, you egomaniacal fool. Um, basically just setting up um, Namor doesn't really understand maybe the difference in... Well, he doesn't care, they're humans. Yeah. Yeah. And it's always the that sort of grey area in Namor's character. That's sort of the, the line in which we were exploring here. Um, so cut back to modern day. Um, Invaders are in a boardroom of the Royal Guard. Um, and they're meeting their contact, who happens to be Jacqueline, uh, who is Spitfire. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah, modern day. Um, basically, just trying to they're trying to work out Namor's plan, and they figure out he's going to attack Roxon, which sets us up nicely into... Segway to Roxon! <laughs> <laughs> Roxon or Rox? Rox, Roxon. Get your Roxon. Uh, <laughs> Get your rocks. Oh, on the advertising <laughs> So yeah, the re- pretty much the the rest of the book is a entire battle. Would you say? Um, Namor basically has laid this assault, the siege, on Roxon, and then Captain America, Spitfire. We also who are these two? That's this Tiger, Tiger, Tiger Shark, Shark and Orca. Orca. Mm. Obviously, he's and they're they're sort of under orders from Tommy, who is the dark side of Namor, and yeah. they're, they're killing people. And he's like, "What are you doing?" You just you know, Namor comes back to himself. But do you notice there? You see Namor here, but then at some point you see him wearing the serpent crown. Yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, which is kind of interesting. So is that something that uh, Tommy has given him, or is he just sort of find it? Yeah, or, or is that? So we only see the ser- do we only see the serpent crime whenever Tommy Mackin is in charge of Namor? Yeah. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. maybe more like it. Uh, but yeah, great, great stuff. Um, I can never remember if Carlos Magno does modern day or if Butch Geist does the modern day and he does the flashbacks. I think it's the other way around. Beat Butch does the does the the flashbacks. I have Z, the artist that's going to be on yeah. Punisher Soviet. Oh, really? No. no what am I thinking know. that he's. Butch Geist was on a lot of stuff with Ed Brubaker for Captain America. So that's sort of how he recognizes ah. the style. But yes, uh, towards the end, we see uh, Tommy. Tommy again has a. He's trying to get into Namor's head, and he eventually does. He does. He. Uh, he uses the serpent crown to jump from Namor's mind into Roman Peterson's mind, who is mm-hmm. the child. The, the the he's now a, he's now a 
an Atlantean. He was converted from a human to an Atlantean. He was the the. Oh yeah. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. And so Tommy, Tommy Neymar Darkside now appears to uh, to have left Neymar's mind into Roman's body and has disappeared with a serpent crown. So he's effectively like a dark Neymar. Yeah. Uh, so the dark side of Neymar has escaped and. He looks a bit like him. He's wearing the same. He's wearing Neymar's old bandoliers and his old costume, nearly. So interesting. But um, what was really interesting for me here is that the the Winter Soldier and Cap are working with Black Panther in order to use you know the, the, this this Janus compound that that Neymar used to convert the humans into Atlanteans in the first few issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Black Panther. Hasn't found a way to turn them back, but has found a way to control it, and uh, and he's going to turn. They're, they're working together to turn Cap and Winter Soldier into Atlanteans in order that they can go onto the sea. But what I really liked was this, and this was interesting, Alan, given based on what we were talking about with House of X and Powers of X, was uh, it rocks on. They're saying is our intel sound. We believe so, Mister Kato. Sad because Alan has a read it. That's fine. Yep. Yep. That's fine. Uh, the variations in the genus compound are within Atlantis. Amazing. Can you imagine the ability to turn humans into water breathers, uh, animals into humans, humans into mutants, and vice versa, especially with the current Krakoa situation? Something like that. Well, we can't pass it up. So, this is the first indication that that takes place that within the, the main. powers of X and the House of X stuff takes place within the main line yeah. Marvel universe. So. Obviously, Roxxon can't uh, pass that up. That sounds too good to be nope, true. Nope, absolutely not. So, yeah. Yeah, I can't say enough stuff. about this fantastic series. Three more to go. Well, again, really it's, excited it's another series. perfect illustration of... And I hate admitting to this like crazy, <laughs> but it's another perfect illustration of Marvel's planning in that it's 12 issues over 12 months of their 80th year. So this will finish at the end of December. So that's the whole 80th year has that which is basically a love letter to Marvel from the past yeah 12 issues is almost like the planet yeah, yeah. well we, we just were said saying, that we were saying I just I said that I know I'm just agreeing series, with you wasn't it? you had it on tape yeah yeah. <laughs> or the variation of tape sorry yeah. so tapes killing tapes are these things that you used <laughs> to record music I'm not that ago. young <laughs> tapes that's stuff you used to well, apparently we're the, together well apparently we're the old guard so <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah between the House of X and Powers of 10 12 issues over 12 weeks Invaders 12 mm. issues over a year their planning's been spot on with their stuff this year. Um, I think it's another thing I'm going to end up picking up on trade. I'd say that will make a beautiful trade, yeah. yeah I would imagine. No yeah. idea what's happening or what it's about, but. Did you not listen to Roddy's reviews there? <laughs> I didn't, but that was like issue 10. Nine. 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 You, you really didn't, really didn't listen really to didn't him. Listen, yeah. <laughs> I didn't actually listen to the podcast. Basically, what he did was he listened to the first 30 seconds, went, that sounds amazing. I'm going to zone out for the rest of it. <laughs> well, that's pretty much it. I was looking at the pretty pictures trying to distract myself. Well, Invaders has been great, so it has. Um, but uh, yeah, that was Invaders number nine from the week of the 11th. Uh, so, we're going to continue with Marvel again. So I had a tight one this the, the, the week of the 11th, week two of September. Every uh, week yours was tight. It was, uh, it was, it was, yeah, well, it was a big week. Did I, did I steal of, Invaders from you? No, you didn't. Marvel? You didn't. No. You did not because, I mean, there was some good Mark Wade stuff out. Uh, this this week that week uh, Doctor Strange 19 it's was coming it, to an end isn't yeah, it yeah it is coming to an end and strangely they're going to number one with Doctor Strange Surgeon Supreme also by Mark Wade. Marvel do love a number one yep they do 
but this the Doctor Strange 19 led into it they're, they're now doing issue by issue, one issue and done stories but this one issue and done story had Doctor Strange making a, a deal with a demon in order to save a child's life um, and that deal very risky deal uh, allowed him to remake his hands and therefore become you know obviously the, the, the injuries to his hands were, were key to so so yeah obviously that leads into Surgeon Supreme Invisible Woman 3 did you read it? yeah it was great it was it where was you got the revelation about uh, the guy she used to work with wasn't yeah it? yeah yeah started in Ireland which was interesting uh, some terrible terrible accents oh yeah you read it in a terrible <laughs> accent exactly. yeah. you know and uh, what, what I thought was great about Invisible Woman 3 was the way she used her powers you know for example she disguised herself knowing that knowing that hair colour is only to do with refraction of light and she controls refraction of light through invisibility she was able to turn her hair brown and she was able to do all you know make her wedding invisible and you know all of these sorts of things you know to uh, and, and invisibly clamp in someone's mouth so they couldn't speak you know and just these <laughs> lovely wee subtle uses that make that make Sue Storm the perfect spy you know ah, so it was cool. very very cool uh, Prodigal Son that three-parter by Peter David came to an end the one that ran through uh, Fantastic Four and Silver Surfer, Silver Surfer and Guardians, Guardians. Um, Event Leviathan and Absolute Carnage still going in that month uh, Oblivion Song took a real nice turn we're starting to learn a lot more about the Faceless Men you know we're seeing a wee bit well it's not without spoiling yeah. we're seeing a wee bit about what's going on inside from the inside of their so what, what number was that? That was, that was 19. 19. So that was yeah. the start of the fourth uh, part. Uh, but there was only one choice for me uh, this month, really. After, after six minutes of choices. You're really not getting this new format, Keith. <laughs> and that was... That leaves you two minutes to talk about this. It's it's no surprise. Uh, Jason Aaron's King Thor 1. The Tom Jason... King of Marvel. Well, yeah, exactly. Uh, only he's writing more books than Tom King, I think, is he? Avengers um, as well. Well, he's no longer. Well, he's stars. Well, that's it. Yeah, well, that's it. Yeah. So, is that saying that Tom King is the Jason Aaron of DC? He's got a few more years to go. Yeah, but Jason Aaron hasn't written anything as good as Mr. Miracle, so that's fine. Uh, and also, Tom King's best Marvel work is better than any Jason Aaron's division. That's the lie. I'm only doing my best. <laughs> You're eating into my two minutes here. Unfortunately, I can't argue with him because he's read Mr. Miracle and Division. I haven't read Thor, so. So anyway, but I have read this. Uh, so King Thor is the, the the cap on the end of uh, Jason Aaron's seven-year Thor run, as we've spoken about. Sorry, before. two minutes are up. Uh, so Jason Aaron, I guess, started with the three Thors: the the Thor of the past, the Viking Thor, our current Thor, and. Thor, uh, the All-Father of the Future, the one-eyed, one-armed All-Father of the Future. So this takes place immediately after War of the Realms, when King Thor went back to his own time, and immediately uh, was set upon by uh, a necrosword wielding Loki. Uh, so here we. So the only way he could have ended, really, you know, we've got this King Thor who exists with his three grand granddaughters at the end of time. There's there's nothing beyond this, you know. So. Uh, I love that there's this eternal dance between Thor and Loki. Yeah, that even uh, at the yeah, end. Exactly. It's even that. at the end, that's yeah. it. Uh, Jason Aaron uh, is writing. Isad Ribic reunites with him. Isad Ribic was the right was the, the artist at the start of it's the King of the Thor one. Well. Uh, nice. So so Can this is for so this is everything. this is just fantastic. Uh, it reintroduces the Girls of Thunder, uh, the sisters Frigg, uh, Elisif, and Atli who. Uh, who you're trying to work to revitalize a once dead earth in the far future 
even though you know life in Midgard is flourishing again the rest of the universe is dying uh, and they're searching for answers to this death and then we've got King Thor the grandfather you know he faces you know the end of the universe um, it's all very it's, it's all quite desolate uh, the girls have journeyed to um, what used to be Omnipotent City and again this is all going back to the start the very start of Jason's run mm -hmm. and he's reintroducing these characters from the very start of his run seven years later at the end of his run it's class yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> his good friend Jason yeah, <laughs> yeah first name terms yeah no, so so they meet the, the Lord High Librarian and he's a god as well his name's Shadrach and he used to be the god of something but he can't remember what it is and this is a character who's been here for so long and this is a character from the very start of this of this run um, you know and it uh, yeah, it's, it's juxtaposed against the brothers fighting uh, King Thor and Loki and Loki's now in possession of the Necrosword the Necrosword connects back to the start of Jason Orange it's the God Butcher stuff isn't it it's the God Butcher stuff that's exactly what it is and you know that without even having read it and also links directly into Absolute Carnage and Donny Kate stuff and all the the, God the and Silver God. Surfer Black and yeah uh, all yeah. the way it goes all the way through all of that stuff and this is why I am not feeling in any way bad about Donny Kate's picking up Mighty Thor after Jason Orange yeah. finishes because he's been sort of dipping his toe in been, a little bit he's been more than dipping his toe and he's made the Necro Sword the All Black uh, effectively, the equivalent of the Infinity, the Infinity Stones after the last mm -hmm. over the last seven years, you know, but um, it goes on a massive battle, you know. Uh, there's planets exploding, planets exploding, <laughs> and suns, ex you know, and uh, and um, I guess <laughs> there's one amazing scene where. Loki punctures uh, Thor's I keep going to say Odin because he looks so much like his father now <laughs> with one arm one eye uh, you know punctures Thor's innards and pulls out his intestines and then Thor ends up right you know wrapping the intestines his own intestines around Loki's neck and attaching them to Mjolnir and throwing Loki into the sun um, but it's not enough because Loki is now you know he's, he's possessed by the, the necro sword and all of this and just exactly what you were saying there Alan uh, at the very very end the two brothers lie sort of sizzling on the planet and uh, you know Loki seems to have the upper hand whenever he's attacked from behind by Gore the Butcher of Gods again from the very first issue of Jason Aaron's Thorum uh, so just the God of Thunder stuff so uh, this is just fantastic stuff the art's beautiful it links back to the last seven years of goodness and as someone said earlier on what's Donny Kate's got left to do because what has Jason Aaron not done to Thor over the last seven years <laughs> you know what I mean he's uh, so yeah this is this was just fantastic this was great what did you reckon yeah I, I really dug it I've, I've said repeatedly I will go back there's these nice hardcovers I know they're releasing with the um, Jason Aaron stuff um, I'm I think we're all signed up to that yeah <laughs> <Unfortunately>. <laughs> I think he'll be borrowing that off me at some point um, but yeah they're going to release like different volumes because my fear is going back seven years worth and there's a cross mighty Thor and there's Thor God of Thunder and there's Thor on its own and there's you know the Thor relaunch through Legacy number one one big book I'd say just not Thor so yeah, yeah so I, I love the idea of them doing um, just Thor the Jason Iron Years volume one volume two volume three and then it'll all be in order so um, that is Keith does speak about it so highly and so passionately it has to be read at some point so 
Um, I don't think he'll ever forgive me if I don't. Uh, but also, <laughs> but also, I trust his judgment. And Keen Thoris, well, I appreciate that. Yeah. Was great. It was great. Yeah, um, but yeah, even like yeah, you. Picked I up haven't read zero any of it. I picked it up on. In fact, it was only four issues. I thought it's at least issue one would be interesting. And now I'm planning on reading the past seven years of stuff. And mm, um, Isad Rubik is up there with Alex Ross, as far as I'm yeah. concerned. Yeah, the Archie is one. The Barbarian. There's one uh, shot that he did was gorgeous. Yeah, really good. I think Very, we had that on last yeah. month, didn't mm-hmm. we? He drew one of the best uh, Silver Surfer stories, Requiem, mm-hmm. which was wonderful That's right. as well. That's really right. need to yeah. get that. Um, I'll throw him if you want. Um, it's it's fantastic. Um, but yeah, hand hand them to me. Don't throw them. What I've got Requiem from, from old I think I think I've been individual yeah, yeah the hardcover and the trades are out of print at the moment really annoyingly because I was wanting to get them into the store but it's Straczynski isn't it Straczynski it writing is, yeah. and yeah. it even led to like one of my favourite ever responses from someone ever because I put up on Twitter how much I loved it and Straczynski wrote back to me saying really appreciate that that was one of the my the that's, best things I ever wrote. That's GMS. That's the writer of Babylon Five. Yep. You know. You know. I mean, I'm not on initial terms with him like Keith is. You know. But <laughs> you know, I was. Uh, I remember getting that response, just getting that like, oh, class. Um, but yeah, that's all it takes sometimes. Um, but yeah, that was King Thor number one uh, by the one and only Jason Aaron and Isad Rebic on art. Uh, we're gonna jump across from the Marvel stuff now and on to DC. So good to have you on, Kill. Um, I've actually got back up for a change. Um, yeah. I've joined Keith's team on yeah. Mr. Marvel. Yeah, he's. <laughs> you know, well, I don't know, right? Sorry, I got your back in some of this as well, did you? Were. <laughs> Although yeah. I think I have picked. In fairness, Roddy, you have three Indian one Marvel. Four. Two four. <laughs> um, but yep, it's on the Killen's second pick, uh, which is the Riddler, the Year of the Villain issue. Uh, it is one of the many. I don't know whether to call them tie-ins because I'm not sure what. There's year no the event is. to tie. It's it's a weird. I feel arc, like it's just it? a banner it's, head. It's a banner head. They, they, there's a story yeah. arc in it that joining on the other things. I'm not sure if it's a good idea or not. It just links to Justice League for me. I feel like they've tried to put it in, blend it in with some other stories. But some haven't got yeah, well, it. It links, so. it links to Batman as well, the City of Bane stuff. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, each I think each there was a few issues that each issue ended with each hero's respective villain, or I think in certain cases, friends or family getting a gift from Lex Luthor and the premise of this issue is Lex Luthor has dissolved his wealth, his power, his technology spread it around the world to all the villains to uh, promote the agenda of doom for Justice League and the Riddler has been overlooked and is a little bit mopey about it he's <laughs> a little bit mopey he's, uh, he's wondering the, story, the, the, ta- the issue's even called, thanks for nothing yeah, he's, <laughs> he's sitting grumbling that you know I'm if I'm supposed to be this great villain, why haven't I received these gifts? You know, what makes all these other guys so special and not me? And he's basically... Uh, he even, he's he even starts it off with a riddle of what has two heads, um, a single purpose in life and nothing to show for it. The answer is this table. <laughs> uh, but there's sitting with it's King Tut, isn't it? Sitting with? Yes, yeah. I think I couldn't actually figure out his name. I was going with Scarrow, but King Tut sounds more familiar. Uh, but yes, yeah, it opens up with the Riddler and who we're assuming is King Tut uh, eating in his restaurant, which is Scarabs, named Scarabs, fitting with his theme, and they're just grumbling about how 
no matter how well they plan, no matter how smart they are, or how big the traps are, Batman always beats them because he's a Mary Sue. Uh, <laughs> edging away from a knife but the Riddler is grumbling that no matter how hard he tries he always fails and now Lex has gone out to help these people and he got nothing he was just overlooked what is he going to do so uh, King Tut is basically saying oh there there it's not too bad you know it could be worse uh, thanks for coming for, to my restaurant leave a tip <laughs> so the Riddler leaves grumbling and returns home uh, in his, to his what looks like a harbourside warehouse yeah but of course as soon as you go in there's a giant question mark so uh, probably not a riddle as to find out why Batman keeps finding him <laughs> uh, to, he finds though that Apex Lex the uh, Manhunter Martian Manhunter infused Lex Luthor is being he's the, big being, he's the uh, universe at the minute isn't he yes he is uh, he's the gateway to the big bat Apex Perpetua. Lex yeah Perpetua yeah uh-huh. yeah he is waiting uh, quite brutally in his new fancy cloak to talk to the Riddler uh, Riddler uh, starts questioning him on why why was he overlooked what's wrong with him he's the Riddler god damn it and Lex starts waxing uh, waxing lyrical about all this uh, philosophy and Aristotle Basically saying that why should I hand it to you? You have to earn it. You know, can you can you build this yourself? And the Riddler takes this as a challenge to be better, become better himself. He doesn't need Lex. He uh, he can do this himself. One one last plan with King Tut, and they can they can defeat the Bat. A few pages of Lex. So is the crux of it? Is the crux of it then that the Riddler turns down the offer? It's Lex isn't quite offering anything he's sort of saying to him that you're not quite in the league r- high enough for me to offer you this thing but, but keep working on it champ it's Lex, almost like saying keep working it's so condescending yeah Lex is basically saying that you know at the minute you're nothing you're not much you're second rate but at one point so was I and look where I've risen to and I did that on my own why should I give you any handouts but he's, you, given, but he's given all the Flash's rogue something he's given all the Flash's rogue something he's I'm pretty sure he offered Bane stuff yeah. um, he offered Freeze. I think it was he offered free stuff. He offered Lois Lane stuff. Possibly. A few issues ago on Superman. I don't think they've ever followed that up. Not yet, anyway. But Lex goes on to say, explain about how you can plan and plan and plan, but unless you actually do anything useful, it's not going to work out. He talks about growing up in Kansas, tornado country. His neighbor who gets trapped in his own box trying to escape a tornado and. Basically said he overplanned, didn't think ahead, and it backfired on him. See, this issue to me has a real Batman sixty six vibe to it, and King Tut being in it yes. only adds to it. <laughs> right, I mean, okay. I mean, just look at King Tut's house. <laughs> it's like it's like it's like a yeah, sphinx. It's, 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 it's like a duplex with a sphinx. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, again, maybe maybe Batman's not as smart as everyone thinks he is. If all his <laughs> villains live in places like this, but uh, the Riddler contacts King Tut, says, "Right, we have a we've got one." One more chance. We can we can try is it, this out. Is it comedic? Is it comedic? It is quite it's, comedic. It's a little Personal. bit slapstick. There's an underlying sadness to it as well, but it is very. Yeah, there is there's an emotional undertone of certainly Riddler. by the end. Um, yeah, definitely by the end. A lovely Snickers advert, which doesn't disrupt the comic at all. Uh, but finally, the Riddler and King Tut get together to discuss their grand plan. They're going to team up, take down the bat themselves. They're going to outdo themselves more than they've ever done. And sort of prove their worth. Proof of worth. Uh, the Riddler says this all while watching a 
staring longingly at a layer, layer, magazine, layer magazine featuring new Apex Lex and uh, Sinestro. <laughs> which, uh, I mean, suggests oh, that villains very have their own cheek, isn't it? Yeah, villains have their own periodicals. But it gets to the point where Batman has left a note that says, There's a dirty bomb somewhere in Gotham. Where is it? A. The Gotham Zoo. B. Arkham Asylum. C. Waterfront Warehouse 203. Or D. Up your ass, you stupid, stupid jerk cop. So uh, Batman is taking this as a quick task. Says he tells Jim Gordon he'll be back in half an hour. You know, it's only the Riddler. Won't take too long. Riddler and King Tut are setting up. He uh, wasn't saying all this during the, 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 the fucking. Thing of jokes and riddles. Yeah, this is, I think this is the first time the Riddler's really been in anything since. Then. Yeah, I think um, so. Yeah, because he's not part war, of it. Was the war right? of jokes yeah. and riddles? It yeah. wasn't the thing of jokes and riddles. It yeah. was the war. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, they, Such disrespect! I tell you, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed <laughs> that role. The thing of the realms. <laughs> <laughs> the thing of the thing. That thing that happens some places. King Secret th- thing. King <laughs> thing. King thing. <laughs> uh, the. Uh, Lure and thing lure with heavily inverted commas. Uh, Batman into their trap. Although I did notice on the art, Batman has lovely bat symbols styled into his boots. <laughs> um, he's really up with the branding. So maybe it's a not the Batman's be Superman. Likes to brand them. He's going multi. But basically, Batman uh, works his way easily through the traps. Uh, he's, it's it's nothing to him. As interspersed with flashbacks to Edward Nigma's younger days before he became the Riddler. Being Do they still have those badass sideburns? Not as kid, but adult Riddler does have the uh, the sideburns. Uh, eventually, Batman gets back through, and it gets to the final set of the trap. Batman's already they're already go. King Tut and the Riddler are about to about to catch him. Uh, and the Riddler just so they've set another death trap for Batman they've set a a death trap this is very Batman 66 it's very heavily Batman 66 King Tut has alligators primed to go but the Riddler just decides you know what we haven't actually achieved anything we thought we were being the smartest and he's got through it we're back to square one so he just gets up and abandons King Tut and says you know what I quit I'm out and it finishes with the Riddler saying thank you to Lex Luthor for giving him nothing because if he doesn't have anything, he can build himself up. He can only go up and sort of. Thank you, Lex. Thank you for the gift of nothing. I mean, symbolically <laughs> takes off like his jacket and the hat. And yeah, all that. so it, you kind of feel like some of these year the villain issues. I think feel like set up for series. Yeah, this between this one. and the black, black mask, mask was definitely one. feels like they're heading towards something. Yeah, which so suggests DC might have a plan for once. They have plans, they just don't execute them all. Yeah, um, but it was genuinely just. I picked this up on just on a whim. It was Michael Yan cover, which is always nice to have, and it just it just caught me off guard how good it was. Similar to the Simba Spider-Man tie-in, just it's a it's a ta- It's this one shot that you don't need to know anything else of other than Lex Luthor's Lex Luthor and showing off. But I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh-huh. Pretty cool. Oh, yeah. So that was the Riddler number one, which we do kind of think uh, may go into a series. Is it Mark Russell was the writer? Yeah, on that? Mark Russell. Oh, did Snagglepuss and Second Coming and yes. all? Yeah. Oh, yes. It's a writer. Uh, right. So that, that's yeah. probably why it's so tongue in cheek. Yeah, yeah it yeah. is. It was after after I finished that I realized it's like okay, that makes a lot more sense. Yeah. Oh well. <laughs> but yeah, Mark Russell, the writer, Scott Gluski is the artist. Yeah. Um, quite a few people work working on it. And, uh, 
of course, a little tribute to Bob Kane and Bill Finger. Yeah, for creating Batman. But cool, really cool. Well, speaking of the bat, um, my pick for the week of the eleventh is actually going to meld into the week of the eighteenth as well, as this was a one-two punch. Um, the way the release scheduling had fallen, um, so normally this will be no surprise to no one. It's Batman. Um, the way the release schedule had fallen, there was a three-week break between Batman seventy-seven and seventy-eight. So to get their release scheduling back on track, 78 and 79 were released one week after each ah, other. Ah, okay. Mm-hmm. So these were issues I was really looking forward to for selfish purposes. Um, obviously anyone who listens to the podcast knows, or hopefully knows at this point, we have our first artist signing coming up at the end of the month, October 25th, uh, with uh, Clay Mann. So Clay was the artist on both these issues. Um, he did some beautiful variant covers as well. Um, what Clay Mann seems to have done in Tom King's run are the quote interlude issues, but they seem to be the standout issues. Um, during joke, the aforementioned jokes and riddles, Clay Mann did the art for the two Kite Man issues, which were beautifully tragic. He did the issues for Double Date, um, which were again just really good fun with Superman, Batman hanging out. So this is a bit of an interlude during City of Bane. City of Bane so far I've thoroughly enjoyed. Um, stakes are being raised, new status quo in Gotham, Batman defeated. The interesting thing with this was this comes off the back of a big massive development in Batman 77. So I can see people being a little peeved that it's an interlude in a way. Because 77 ended with a, a massive death, shall we say. Which you yeah, were thinking if, would be paid off. If you've only got to wait a week. Or well, the, three weeks, was it? Well the thing about this is that these interlude issues are among the best of the whole run. Um, these issues, I mean, again, anyone who listens to this or you know chats to me in store, they know my love for Batman Fifty. This is the wrap up from Batman Fifty. This is this is Bruce and Selina basically exploring their whole relationship, exploring why Selina left him at the altar, explaining that like if you're no longer if you're happy, you can't be Batman. So she's sort of seen it as a self sacrificing thing that I'm not going to marry you because you can't be happy because if you're happy you're not Batman therefore Gotham's not being protected you give up in your whole vow all this kind of stuff so <clears throat> as I say I was reading these and I was like I've always thought Clay, Clay Mann was a great artist but I think this is his best work um, every single page in it is an event and a massive throw out actually to Tomo Mori I believe it is who's the colorist I mean this this stuff it's it's Bruce Wayne and Selina basically like out in the Caribbean essentially um, where Bruce Wayne has a moustache I mean come on what more do you need um, but yeah it's all about it's all exploring their relationship so it is but it's also what it then transpires to be and what you know comes out through the issues is that they are here to intercept the shipment that Bane is expecting to Gotham so this is the first step of them working their way back to Gotham because Bruce has left ever since he was defeated by Bane um, ever since he crawled out of the pit Selina found him on the mountain and is sort of slowly nursing him back out of I think out of guilt more than anything but it just explores their whole relationship um, and the artwork throughout gave me goosebumps just reading through it um, as I say it's it's essentially just an uh, exploration of their relationship um, very close to getting back together a couple of times then they're like no no we need to focus on what we're doing they have all these arguments about where they first met. Um, it all leads up to this sort of great moment where they rekindle their relationship. 
also happens to be my phone screensaver. Um, <laughs> yeah, it has been for a long you're time. A big romantic, yeah. It has been for a long time. I mean, Roddy said something really interesting before we started recording. With he had read an interview. It was with Tom Keen saying that his wife had inspired a lot of this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of the love story between them. I mean, having this love story at the at the in the middle of this uh, storyline, I think, is a wonderful idea because it's something that hasn't really been explored before. Um, so 78 is very much the lead up to them getting back together then 79 which was the following week is them putting their plan into action showing them working as a team um, and they basically get together to um, like he really does draw a hunky Bruce Wayne and a you know a very good looking Catwoman um, but uh, yeah it all gets led to this plan where they um, they intercept this shipment they're having this sort of last sunset moment talking about how they have to go back to Gotham and help people. But what I really enjoyed as well about these two issues was that there was a little precursor note in 78 saying these events take place before 77. So, spoilers. I don't, I don't know if I'm... No, I don't... I hate I'm, spoiling things, but I know you just don't right, care. Like, um, so in 77, Alfred is killed. Mm-hmm. He gets his neck broken by Bane because Damien... Um, so Bane had this um, thread out that if any hero tries to interrupt what he's doing in Gotham because he's basically taking over Gotham you know the Joker is a, a detective you know Hugo Strange he's, is even, got, he's even got the okay from the United States government like <laughs> crimes down in Gotham so Damien can't behave can't do what he's told so Damien decides like I'm going to go and sort this out myself he takes down Gotham guard but gets caught by Thomas Wayne Flashpoint Batman so he's then tied to a chair he wakes up and Bane is facing him with Alfred in the chair and he said I told you people there'd be consequences and he breaks Alfred's neck so it goes it, from there it is that quick as well but what happens in this is there is a line of dialogue where um, he uh, where Bruce basically says I've got the signal from Alfred Damien's ready to go in so it's all starting to fall into place in a bit of a plan because Damien's always been that impetuous sort of character where you think he's just going in out of ego and because he can't be told so you thought he went in of his own accord but he's obviously been waiting and he's got the signal from Bruce to go in so I thought this was really really interesting stuff and again I can't say enough about the art um, again such a fanboy I sound like I don't care um, I can't wait for this guy to come to the store um, <laughs> just so yep, I can watch just so I can true. watch Kalen trip over himself more than I will <laughs> in terms of what to say to him <laughs> as long as I call him by the right name I'm really happy or you don't tag the Pope that happened one time and I don't know how <laughs> a little bit of a story there he tried to send a uh, tweet to someone on Twitter I tried to send a tweet to a few regulars from the store Kieran and I somehow managed to tag the Pope instead of Kieran <laughs> it's easily done it's easily done and he's disgusted to say he didn't get a response I didn't even get a response <laughs> so Madness. years of being an ultra boy wasted yeah so as I say so that was for me week uh, the 11th of September which was uh, Batman 78 then that segued into the 18th um, of September which was Batman 79 so I'm 3 for 3 in my Tom King so far <laughs> um, I promise I won't be 4 out of 4 uh, yeah so may as well finish off with another um, DC title from the week of the 18th uh, which again is going back to Killen yes and I have Superman number 15 it is the conclusion to the 15 issue uh Unity arc, Bendis, which started off, Bendis started off in Superman it's number the one. Unity saga, wasn't it? Unity saga. 
I'm just not good at remembering stuff. <laughs> Sorry, that says it on the first page. Yeah, it That's the cover. <laughs> <laughs> no, it doesn't. There's no text in the first page. Nor does it say it in second or third. You gotta so. look through this whole book until you find the unit. <laughs> it's it's in there somewhere. It is. Page four. It's just page neither. Four. There we go. Page the Unity Saga, House of L, the conclusion, part two. Yeah, I've had trouble figuring out which part of it. I didn't realize the entire thing was just the one saga, but it is the conclusion to the Mister Oz arc from Rebirth. It's the conclusion yeah. to Jarrell's return, to John Kent's return, to the stuff that was supposed to link in the Doomsday Clock. To everything that went to link the Doomsday Clock. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure how much it still does. I'm not sure how much it still can. Yeah, but this basically, coming off the back of Superman 14, John Kent is revealed as the guy who founds Unity Day and the United Planets, which is basically the UN for space. Yep, the United uh, Federation of Planets, which is, you know, or the, the Federation of United Planets, it's something along those lines. There's a lot of planets in the United. Yep. Uh, United Planets, they're just the United Planets. Yeah. <laughs> And so to commemorate this day that becomes Unity Day, I think it actually is August 18th, wasn't it? Yeah, um, they actually write, I think they wrote it in. That was this weird actually to see an actual date. Yeah, it was very yeah. weird to get a solid date that this is the anniversary of the United Planets and their foundation. So the Legion of Superheroes, which the team seems to be coming back from... From the 31st century. From the 31st century, uh, but seems to be coming back to DC as a whole. They come back to celebrate and congratulate John Kent on the work that him and his family have done, which is odd because you usually would expect it to be the uh, praise going to Superman. Yeah. He is the uh, legendary first superhero, and the best superhero. They've arrived early. Yeah, they, uh, they have. They've, they've, arrived early they've the overshot century, themselves. Yeah. They've gone back too far in time and have actually interrupted proceedings. But they realise this and after kind of ignoring the... Uh, Past people from the past, they said, "Okay, we should probably get on with this." But this and Unity Day is declared. Unity Day is yeah. declared. It's very much a John Kent issue. Um, um, there's a bit of yeah, it is a John Kent issue, but there's some background stuff going on with Superman and Adam Strange. Uh, yeah, it's always nice to see Adam Sup- Strange, especially. Well, I suppose he was they recently appeared in the uh, cancelled Krypton TV series. The wound still hurts. Don't bring it up. I see. I but see. Yes. Uh, and against uh, again, and it's sort of a contrast against the main story. It's Superman in a dark room with Regal Zar trapped in a red sun bubble, and Adam Strange is talking to him and telling him that the newly established courts have decided that Jarrell is guilty, but because of his meddling in time with uh, apparently Doctor Manhattan's influence, but we don't know how much of that still stands. Uh-huh. He's been sentenced to die. So. But without displacing the timeline, they try, try to figure out how best to do it, and it's revealed that they sent him back to his original time, uh, to the destruction destruction of Krypton. The point at which Doctor Manhattan supposedly the point at which out. he was originally pulled from the time stream. Uh, so he's sent back to the House of L, the literal House of L. He he sees his younger self and Lara holding each other, just about to be destroyed. It is just the moment before Doctor Manhattan zaps him out. And he shouts to his younger self that he does it. He brings the universe together. He's talking about Superman. He's giving his, himself hope. He's talking about Superman or is he talking about John? Uh, Jarrell's mission was to send his son off. I, I feel like it's without Superman, there's no John. And then, as always, always happens, Krypton blows up. What do you think's been in comics more? Krypton blowing up or uh, the Bwains being shot? 
Yes. Yeah, I feel like I feel like it's probably the same amount of times Ben Parker has died. Yeah. Uh, and then the issue finally ends with the House of Zod, the House of L coming to the truce that knowing comics won't last very long, and finally ends with the House of L, Superman, Supergirl, Kara, and Crypto setting off back to Earth, discussing how John is going to tell his mother that he's being invited to the future, and more importantly, how is he going to tell Damian Wayne, his best buddy. Which sets up issue 16, which is out very soon. At this week. Yes. The Return of the Super Sons. Yes, issue 16 is going to be focused on the Super Sons, John and Damien. That's interesting because John's now twice the age of Yes, John is, I think he's 15, 17. I think Damien is 13. Damien all sets me as 13. Yeah, so it's going to be a bit of a. Well, they were of an age, weren't they? Or Damien was older. Damien was always older, and and always pointed out. John's effectively an adult. John yeah. is on the crux of adulthood. Uh, Damien always teasing about you can't join the Teen Titans until you're actually a teen. I think at one point he actually said, "Come back to me when you're a teen." So now nice. that'll be his first words. So like, it's like a teen now. Sort of a membership, but yeah, um, just Bendis and Ivan Rice, Reese. We're not sure. Rice, Rice. Yeah. We're gonna go with Rice. Uh, just knock it out of the park. The art's amazing. Story is amazing. Uh, a double kind of splash page at the end of the. The family plan through space towards Earth is, yeah, is pretty yeah. stunning. Yeah, it's pretty it's cool. a simple image, you know, simple, but, it's, but it's, it's beautiful. Yeah. Superman's just be consistently great. Um, uh, Bendis is doing wonderful things, yeah. You know, and that's the only reason that I picked up uh, Legion Millennium, because yeah, Bendis was Bendis, on it. That's, I wasn't uh, interested in it, or Legion of Superheroes, or Young Justice, but Bendis... I didn't really know much about him. He's, he's a great crafter of stories, and he does a lot of people talking very very well yeah you know so yeah there's a lot of dialogue in this issue but that's a Bendis, lot of people Bendis talk about as a talking head guy you know but you're never lost no you're only ever lost if you want you to be lost um, yeah but even just that first page it's just no no dialogue Regals are and I love how I love how action and uh, action comics and Superman are bouncing off each other because they have the same author yeah, you know, and then that links yeah, directly it doesn't into feel, yeah, Legion, and but they're also different it. enough as well. Yeah, they, yeah, they're, very, very different. Yeah, the, the books are different in tone for sure, but they they join yeah, up nicely. It's, yeah, it's similar. Some of the thing they did with Rebirth, where the Superman stories are more focused on his home life, his relationships, actions more about punching planets and solving crimes, <laughs> which is punching planets and solving crimes. <laughs> yeah, which yeah. Superman, <laughs> should, Superman. Superman really shouldn't be known for punching planets, but. Uh, uh-huh. Well, yeah. uh, enjoyable. the eighteenth of week three was a, was the biggest week of my my pull list. Uh, I had loads and loads. Do we have an exact Sounds number? Sounds oh, something. Yeah. Um, so a load of load of reading to do. Uh, I think I was saying in the last reviews podcast that Lethal Protectors was a was a good one. Absolute carnage. Lethal Protectors. Were those characters actually in Lethal Protectors? They actually appeared this one, so it really hit its stride, you know. So uh, Iron Fist and the lads and Deathlock and you know everybody else. Uh, is that an Iron Fist spin-off? Iron Fist and the last. <laughs> Iron Fist and the last. <laughs> <laughs> Savage Sword of Conan was the third, the last part of that Conan the Gambler oh. story. It was great. Gonna have to get that. Yeah, Gonna I would say so. Um, Blade Runner was out. It's going it's fantastically. Very good and uh, Excellence, Alan, I think you're getting as well, aren't you? Excellence is brilliant. Yep. Excellence is excellent. Yep. Firefly still doing it really well for me. The, the voices they have the characters great and high level finished. Uh, Lazarus Volume Three hardcover was out. Yeah. If you like word building, that's where it's at. Um, 
Transformers. Yeah, Transformers. Yeah. It's kind of dropping off a wee bit for me. Yeah, me too. Yeah, you know, considering it started off so strong. <gasps> yeah, it's just it's, it's a lot of like talking head stuff yeah, with Transformers. Yeah. Whereas politics, isn't it? what? Yeah. What I loved about it was the world building yeah. at the start with Rubble. Yeah. Discovering all these different rules through fresh eyes yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. sense um, of exploration yeah, mm-hmm, yeah. And that's that's completely that's lost gone yeah, the last yeah, few yeah, ones because yeah. you wouldn't think that it's not even Megatron and Optimus Prime with the politics uh, it's, it's a lot of lesser people yeah or, like, or yeah uh-huh, I so, don't, know, yeah. don't know if I'm really interested um, what did you reckon of Flash Forward I think it's got a wee bit more work to do before it really grabs me I like me. the first issue I like good the good setup a lot of the hate towards Heroes in Crisis was bringing back a legacy character like Wally West and then him ending up where he ended up uh-huh. but at least Flash Forward can explore that and have a road to redemption and I thought it felt like the same voice uh, was Scott Lobdell on writing it yep that's right um, yeah I really I thoroughly enjoyed the first issue as, as you say a lot of setup. Um but I thought he Brett Bruce art is brilliant it, it followed Heroes in Crisis perfectly for me I would have thought it was the same writer I, I just felt like it's just got a wee bit further to go before I'm completely yeah. convinced. Yeah, but it was a setup for a longer story. Is it oh, a mini or is it six a six issues? Okay, yeah, fair enough. Um, Mark Wade was there again with History of the Marvel Universe number three, and that was the one that brought us into the Marvel Age of Heroes. So we're seeing all the origins of the heroes and whatnot. So in some ways, it was actually slightly more boring than the other two because you know all of these stories already. You know, <laughs> yeah. you're like, all right, so we have to get through. You know, yeah. so, but yeah. Um, but I know this was one that appealed to you as well, Roddy. Yes. Uh, so my choice for the week of the eighteenth was Once in Future Number Two by Kieran Gillen and Dan Mora. Um, if you would like to close your ears at this point, because <laughs> you say you, you don't want to hear things that you might be interested in, this is probably we're going to do the reviews podcast too. To give you some idea, <laughs> a how good this is, and b how well received this is. So this week, um, I received in the sixth printing of issue one. Now, for an indie book to hit a sixth print is pretty unprecedented. What did Die number one get? Die went to five. But Die was an image book, so it probably had a bigger initial printing. This is boom. Yeah, yeah. So Um, things killing the children. Four. Four, yeah. Um, Um, Yep. But I I do just very quickly just want to say this is some pattern here. We have Tom Keane all the time, but this is our second Kieran Gillen book. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. There's definitely uh there's, some patterns, yeah, there's, yeah, there's another sure. couple of Bendis books. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, once a future uh, number two. So this picks up with uh from the obviously the end of the first issue, uh Duncan uh, held at gunpoint by his gran, uh the former monster hunter, uh and they're heading towards Glastonbury Tour, uh where a group of uh U Kippers are uh Britain first folks are trying to raise um they're trying to make Britain great again. They're trying to make Britain great again uh, by raising uh, King Arthur. Uh, so anyway, um, Duncan is a museum creator. He's kind of an Indiana. He's a darky Indiana Jones type. He hasn't quite discovered his whip yet. Um, Did you just refer to Indiana Jones as dorky? He's he's a darky Indiana Jones a version of Indiana Jones. Uh, <laughs> you know, and his gran is she knows she knows the crack. You know, and she her the dialogue in this is fantastic. She's just brilliant uh, <laughs> one of the best new characters in comics this year yeah I would say <laughs> you know oh you have a text message dear from a girl Rose how's it going with your gran that's sweet text her back saying great she's fine and uh, has a gun pointed on my head 
There's no need for sarcasm, Duncan McGuire. You were raised better than that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but yeah, they had a arrive at Glastonbury Tour, and uh, which is where the uh, the folks who who stole this or found the stole the scabbard of Excalibur in the first issue have come in order to raise in order to find King Arthur's body and and raise him. And uh, you know, they it's, it's all normal to her. There's these demon ladies. Um, Ladies of the Lake that are standing around guarding the, the entrance to the, the tour, and uh, it, she's like, Gran is, don't stare at the unearthly demon ladies, it's rude. And don't mind us, ladies of the Lakes, just passing through, we're looking for wolves. Uh, <laughs> you know, meanwhile, down below, they're, they're raising Arthur, they're, they're trying to raise Arthur, and uh, there's a lovely wee art detail yeah, just there, just I noticed that. out the door of the. Um, yeah, there's a like a demony face. It almost looks like a skull face, but it also was making me think of Cthulhu. Thanks for reminding me about a little bit of Middle West. Yeah, yeah, that's really cool. Um, so the uh, the the Elaine is the lady in charge of these uh, these uh, British nationalists who are who are trying to raise the 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 ghost of King Arthur, the once and future king of the title. Um, I guess and uh, Duncan and Gran they get uh, what is Gran's name I keep calling her Gran because he calls her Gran uh, but I don't know what her <laughs> name is um, oh she's I don't know if she's ever it's yeah. given it's given in the the first issue yeah I think you're I right I, I think you're right but uh, you know they're they're approaching with, with some big guns that they got from Gran's horde of guns in the last uh, in the last issue and uh, he says I've never shot anything before she said yes because you're a good boy don't worry, it's easy. Safety off. Point dead. Nothing to it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> she goes, this is our best chance to end this now. How? I think you don't need a gun pointed at you anymore, so you get one of your own. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so the, the, the corpse, the skeletal corpse of Arthur rises, um, and uh, he's speaking old Breton. Uh, Bridget. Bridget. Is the, the, yeah, absolutely. Um, he rises and... Uh, he pulls Excalibur from seemingly nowhere, and uh, they they can't understand him. He's speaking old Breton, very old Breton, and uh, or Bretonic rather, and uh, they all kneel down. And uh, the Arthur, her dialogue is just fantastic. Yeah, really, the whole way through, it's fantastic. The sword in the stone. She's like a sword in some stones, a buried sword. It's hardly the same thing. If your jaw drops every time we see anything with a little fairy sparkle on it, we're going to be spending half our day picking it up. <laughs> you know. Uh, so as 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 Arthur rises, he becomes. He starts to get a wee bit of meat in his skeletal bones. Uh, he starts to, to get muscle and it's starts to fill up, yeah. fill up with internal organs and intestines and and all of this. And it starts to get too late uh, for for Bridget and Duncan to do anything and. Uh, and Arthur, the he's like a lich, nearly of some kind. Uh, you know, he he cuts open one of the the National Front guys, or the the, the, the National whatever they are, the Britain First crazy nationals. The villains. The villains, yeah. And uh, and uh, taste their blood, realizes he's an Anglo-Saxon, <laughs> mm, and cuts him in, and cuts him in half. And uh, that's this is this is a real social comedy here, <laughs> you know. And uh, Duncan's going, I don't understand. She's Bridget's like, hmm, well, King Arthur fought a bunch of foreign invaders. It's true, but those invaders they were Anglo-Saxons. He's very much for Britain for the British, <laughs> and that doesn't include them, you know. Uh, Elaine reveals, uh, you know, it's he tastes her blood, 
and realizes that she's a Celt, uh, so therefore she's a she's a true Briton, and uh, you know he raises he raises then the the villains that he's put down as his spectral uh, knights of the round table. Um, you know she says this one is Wayne. He was a warrior. Uh, these are his brothers. And uh, the Arthur Lich that's now speaking English. Ah, kingdom must start somewhere. Rise, my knights. Rise, Gawain. So he starts to raise his, his knights of the round table. The start of my circle. We must bring more knights to our banner. And where is my Merlin? He should be here. He is lost. We could not find him. I found you. And uh, then it, uh, the plan becomes clear that Elaine has a son. Uh, and what? You know that the, the the prophecy seems to predict that her son, you know, th that a Galahad mm -hmm. must bring the Holy Grail to Arthur. Uh, so she, you know, and Bridget's like, she made a Galahad. That's it. Let's go quickly, quietly. You know, and that this seems to be the you know Duncan's the 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 point of view character. He's like, what is going on? What's a Galahad? What's a crack? You know. <laughs> so, but they're on the way out, and everything goes a wee bit pear shaped whenever they're discovered. Duncan said, uh, "Do we start shooting now? Why not, dear?" can't make it any worse <laughs> uh, brilliant love in this book love in this book it's very very different from Day yeah. um, Kieran Gillen's writing style is very different from Day um, having a pair with Dan Mora on this rather than Stephanie Hands you know it just it brings out something completely different in the way he writes you know it's yeah. even just the tagline on the back the king, king is, is undead yeah uh, <laughs> so yeah once in the future um, it was the king is dead in the first one wasn't yeah. it yeah, yeah. Yeah. What's great about it is it was originally solicited as a miniseries. It's now an ongoing. Oh, right. Um, another so, one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's it. It seems to be happening more and more. Um, is, is it Boom? Or? Yeah. So this is Boom. Um, something that's killing children was Boom yeah. as well, isn't it? Yeah, so, Which we all get to later. Yeah, so Boom is... Uh, boom is making a bit of a name for itself at the moment. Um, Especially with the Buffy stuff. Nine times out of ten if we talk indie, it's Image. So it's good to see other publishers stepping up and... Yeah, once in future is just yeah, it's wonderful, really wonderful stuff. So was triage as well. That was boom. Triage oh, is dark horse. Dark horse. Um, yeah, so we'll finish off the week of the eighteenth with another indie choice. Um, I'd, again, it wouldn't be a podcast if it wasn't our resident child of the eighties <laughs> talking about something from the eighties. Go on, Ollie. He, he's, <laughs> he's a child of the seventies. I'm joking. Uh, <laughs> yes, uh, anyway, so G.I. Joe, we've talked about it for a while now. It is relaunched with a brand new number one. Paul Aller and Chris Hivenhuis, the artist. Um, all you need to know, Cobra has spread its influence across the globe, resulting in a widespread war. The war has left few places untouched, including the interior of the United States of America. The forces aligned against Cobra struggle to contain its spread, and things look increasingly dire. So this is a big, it's a big departure from from anything really. GI Joe has has gone before, I guess, with regard to we're stepping right <clears throat> into the middle of this. Cobra has already won. Yeah, you know, yeah. so that's that's a that's a, a very different starting point. Um, Cobra just reminds me of a poor man's Akira. <laughs> There's a there's an element of that. Yeah, you know, it's like a, it's obviously intentional. You know, yep. Instead of the cool bike, it's a red scooter. It's the red jacket, but again, different um, different insignia. Mm -hmm. With we are introduced there to our main man Tiger, uh, or the man who will become Tiger anyway. Yeah, yeah. Uh, is Tiger the new rubble. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's too soon. It's too soon. Too soon. <laughs> Poor rubble. Um, 
But yeah, anyway, so it starts off, this is Cobra Occupied Chicago, and we see Duke running past Tiger, and he throws something in the, a rubbish bin. He's then followed by a bunch of... Cobra Shock Cobra troops. Vipers, maybe? Cobra Vipers, yeah. And then, basically, Tiger sees what he's dropped in there, and... We're saying, I mean, the, the background's interesting here, because he's sign up for... You know, there's a sign up for fresh fruit, bottled water, but here there's a sign up for gas mask ration packs. So we're definitely in a <laughs> in a in a war situation. Yeah, in you know? a war zone. Um, and then basically, Tiger he goes into his shop. Um, only three deliveries today, so obviously times are hard. Um, Tiger's a delivery boy. And he's that's not trying to go on the straight and narrow because there's talk. Um, the guy in the shop says I had a lot more work when you guys were still running contraband or no sorry Tiger says that yeah um, so they all say for Cobra so you obviously know you're in this dystopian world where that's Cobra it, that's their version of Hydra yeah, yeah the fascists are in charge <laughs> um, but yeah I think that's interesting because that you know the idea that uh, he said I had a lot more work when you guys were running contraband uh, if it's about the checkpoints you know I can slip past them like, like a thing that's slippery I mean it's this guy <laughs> this guy has already shown that he does not care for authority yeah and he's not worried about doing things that are against the law in order to you know make his way forward you yeah know, so so yeah uh, basically he runs into he's outside Duke is still battling it out with the Vipers um, they brawl into a cafe and then we see from the back of a truck uh, Major Blood just says end this and then we switch back. Tiger's found pen drive, and he promptly decides to get out of there. But not before he sees pretty shocking moment. Would yeah, you say? Yes, it was There's very a, jarring. I think it's one of those ones where they needed to set up their stall. They're right, making a point yeah. right from the start. Uh-huh. And Duke is obviously one of the the biggest, the main character in GI Joe. Yeah, yeah. And right at the start, we see in silhouette Major Blood blowing his head off. Yep. Which is yeah, that was that was stark. Really brutal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But I guess in uh, Tiger gets gets homeworse again. We're seeing a lot of Cobra imaging and Ray in the background. There's the lipstick building in Chicago with the Cobra sign on the top. <laughs> That's class. I hadn't actually noticed that, but uh, I've been in the lipstick building. Um, yeah. Back when I lived in Chicago for a year back in nineteen. 99 lived in yeah. Gotham <laughs> <laughs> so yeah Chicago set guy line there but, cool. uh, but yeah I guess this guy's back and he's he's trying to decipher he's, he's plugged in the pen drive and he's trying to dis- decipher what's in there he can use this information takes action and they're uh, behind him is that uh, Scarlet lovely redhead Scarlet yeah. yep um, creeps in his window and tells him to forget that this has ever happened yeah and there we go we get um Get a little bit of backstory about Tiger. Parents were in Indianapolis during the massacre. You don't really know what that was. Mm-hmm. Boyfriend disappeared two weeks into the occupation. So there's a lot of, a lot of interesting background. There's material. a lot of backstory yeah. in that one bubble. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, and through all this, it basically leads him to ending up trying to join this underground. GI Joe has basically gone underground. Yeah, have yeah. And we're introduced to a couple of new recruits. There's a frontier. Uh, I can't remember what the bald guy's called. 
looks kind of like roadblock but isn't yeah fade away fade no away. fade away is the one inside yeah. sorry uh, yeah, I, yeah I might tell you on the back actually but yeah um, I thought it was interesting it didn't blow me away roadblock but, um, that is roadblock is it roadblock that is roadblock okay. yeah, yeah roadblock frontier and fade away um, Chris Evan Weiss's art is gorgeous but I wasn't entirely sure it suited the book looks a little bit like Archer yeah uh, yeah that's yeah, almost a you don't, you don't really it looks very digital which is obviously not a bad thing but to me it's gorgeous but it didn't really I don't know if it really worked or not for me um, what I did really like I, I mean um, I liked it I like the way he, I like the way he does movement so mm-hmm. you know there's that scene where the, the vipers catch Frontier and Roadblock and uh, they're fighting and uh, you can see the, the movements very very clearly in this four page you know you see yeah those wee layouts are gorgeous yeah those layouts you know what I mean so you've got Frontier on the ground, and he twists over, and then he uses his body and elbows your man, and then he swings back over, pulls the gun, and then he's, you know, he's. he's in what a you all p- can't see right now is Keith acting <laughs> out all these movements. The, so, the quest for a YouTube version yeah. of this starts now. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I guess the the, the kid uh, has sort of interrupted. He had enough uh, information from the pen drive to know where where GI Joe's next mission was going to be and he interrupts it you know and so forth and so on and then uh, after they get caught by, by vipers and the kid kind of scrubs the mission for them isn't that right mm-hmm. he yeah, screws it up uh, roadblock knocks him unconscious and they get taken back to wherever G.I. Joe he gets taken back to wherever G.I. Joe are hanging out um, and they kind of recruit him but they recruit him in a very uh, it's not it's, there's nothing glorious about it no uh <laughs> You know, she says, you know, he says, basically, my name is, and she says, no real names from now on, your tiger, based on the image in the back of his jacket. You basically, know. just tell him to prove himself, don't they? Yeah, yeah, and it's, you know, she says, uh, you ask who we are, we're a clandestine government organization recruiting everyday people to fight back against Cobra, ordinary heroes who can be molded into spies and saboteurs. Now, that doesn't sound like spies and saboteurs to me, that sounds like um, cannon fodder. <laughs> That's what that sounds yeah. like, you know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm interested to see where it goes. Didn't really blow me away, but yeah, there, I really enjoyed the. There's like file cards in the back, so that was a nice wee nod yeah. to the past. Yes, absolutely. I thought what but was yeah. what was interesting as well was just the way they changed the status quo again at the end. Mm-hmm. You know, first of all, Roadblock clearly does not agree that recruiting this kid is a good idea. You know, uh, a lot of them there. There seems to be a lot of dissension. Nobody, nobody knows. And General, what do you call him? What do you call him? Oh, Hawk. General Hawk. Yeah. Um, yeah. There seems to be a lot. But then at the very, very end, uh, you know, America surrenders to Cobra, and GI Joe are declared. You know, they've been ordered to stand down and cease all hostilities with Cobra Command, and they're like, the war is done. We won. No, we didn't win. We surrendered. By the way, welcome to the Team Tiger. <laughs> you know, so obviously GI Joe weren't going to surrender. Yeah. So because that would have been a very very short series. So clearly, what's going to happen <laughs> is GI Joe are now an illegal terrorist organization in America. Which is a nice twist. Which is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm guessing there might be uh, quite a lot of political kind of stuff going on in the next few installments. Yeah. Yeah. I but I quite yeah. like the Obey Cobra thing <clears throat> in the back. It's pretty cool. Very, yeah, so very, very delivish. 
Yeah, very, very good. Very <coughs> interesting. Yeah. Interested to see where it goes. Well, that, that's it. I mean, you're going to keep picking it up? Yeah. Yeah. It's me too. Joe, obviously. Me too. <laughs> uh, I don't know how long I'm going to keep picking up Transformers. Depends on how it goes. It's got. It's monthly as well. So what it's gone monthly at? now. So if it continues with the political stuff, that's going to get make it harder and harder to read. What issue are you at with Transformers? 12. 12. 12. 13 is Yeah, 13 is mm. the next one. That's worrying because you guys would be really hyped for the first trade and now it's... Yeah, yeah we, we, I think we recommended the first trade yeah, like a did. lot because yeah. it, was, it was gorgeous as well and yeah. I don't know, just the past few issues have just been a real... There's a certain slug, character like, you know? who's not in it anymore. It's depressed the life out of them and... <laughs> It's just not been the, the same whole direction just changed a wee bit. Yeah. Yeah, so. um, worth mentioning all. Uh, yeah, I can throw a very quick bit of love for uh, Spider-Man number one um, by the team of JJ and Henry Abrams, Sarah Pacelli on art. Um, this was a weird one leading up to the release of this in the store. It didn't have the most pre-orders in order, I have to say, um, for especially for a Spidey title. There was a lot of accusations of nepotism of the fact that Henry Abrams as J.J. Abrams son had gotten to write Marvel's Crown Jewel like that you know didn't have to prove himself obviously using his father's influence but I mean I know I spoke to a couple of guys in the shop about it and I definitely spoke to Keith about it you know the guys at Marvel they're not stupid they're not going to give this guy a story unless he had a story to tell <laughs> um, and I'll be honest I went into this title knowing zip about it mm-hmm. and that is the best way to Great bring this title um, so we're so with uh, so with Keith going, Keith going off book here again. Give me another title <laughs> to look. I'm gonna shock it, Spider Man. Um, yeah, just a quick bit of love for it though, because it really did. It's hard to tell an original Spider Man story. For example, Tom Taylor's fellow neighborhood Spider Man isn't necessarily reinventing the wheel with Spider Man. It's just doing it brilliantly. Yeah. And this was a very different story. So it starts off middle of a big disaster in Spider Man's neighborhood. You know, Spider-Man comes up out of some rubble with Mary Jane looking for him. You know, Spidey's suit's all torn and wrecked and he's still trying to smile, still trying to be that optimism. But at the same time, you look at Peter and you can see his arm is just basically hanging on by the tendons. Um, So they introduce this new villain. Um, So they do and they start... Uh, Cadaver, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cadaver has these minions around him. Cadaverous. They all start attacking Spidey. And Peter shouts, MJ, run, run. And then you see this extreme close up of Peter, huge tear coming out of his eye. And he sort of says it really lowly. You know, it's a very small font. Run. And then the next one. Stabby, stabby. Out of nowhere, Mary Jane is impaled and killed and thrown off a bridge. Throwing off a bridge, that's uh, that's a wee link to... A little link to... At least this time it wasn't Peter's fault. You know, at least it's not Spider-Man's fault this time. This is very true. He didn't actually kill her. Um, <laughs> but then this work got really interesting. So it went into um, showing Peter and uh, MJ's son, uh, who of course is called Benjamin, because, you know, Peter's still not over the death of Uncle Ben. And then it jumps to 12 years later. You know, that's what's interesting, you know. Bruce Wayne does not call his son Thomas. He calls him Damien. Bruce didn't get the Bruce name didn't name him. Doesn't matter. <laughs> exactly. Damien could have said Thomas. No, no, no. Damien is the grandson of the demon. Damien, has, that has links to Shush. the demon. Damien is... I was just trying to have a job with Peter and never get the wrong go Ben. Shush. Wait for um, Bruce and Selena's kid. But uh, well, that is a good point. Thank you very much. Because in Batman Annual uh, number two, they have kids and none of them are called Thomas or Martha. Why did you say that name? 
Um, but yeah, it's interesting. So it sort of jumps forward 12 years. You know, Spider-Man's long retired, so to speak. He now... They introduce elements in this in a really subtle way. Uh-huh. Like the first time you see Peter 12 years later, he's standing in a doorway. And unless you really look at the, the detail, you won't notice he has a hook for a hand. Uh-huh. Um, his son's in trouble again. Peter's trying to tell him to you know stay out of trouble and look what happened to me and look what happened to your he's mother. He's got his depression beard going. He's got his depression beard going. He's now a, a photographer who travels the world. He's kind of just run away from his problems. Yeah, and the kid, meanwhile, is dealing head on with the problems that he has by yeah. fighting. By and of course, Aunt May is still alive because she is immortal. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, there's just there's lots of parallels to Peter's journey, but there's also a lot of interesting stuff with young Benjamin trying to deal with how his father's acting these days and the death of his mother and he's starting to exhibit powers and all this kind of stuff so of course Peter's not around to walk him through these so yeah. Aunt May has to step up yeah and it's it's interesting that um, Aunt May in that last two pages leaves him alone in the attic with a box and says there you go have a look Get no, she doesn't leave him alone with a box she sends him up to the attic and says have a look under the floorboards. Yeah, yeah. And then under the floorboards, you find this press thing, Peter Parker. You find wedding photos, love letters, pictures when he was young, and then the Spider-Man outfit. So yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, yeah, it again, a nice it's a Spider-Man origin story, but it's not yeah, it anywhere is. close to what anyone thought it was. Yeah, be. I don't think yeah. it's the. It's not the origin story for for Peter Parker. It's a Spider-Man, Spider-Man origin story, yeah. yeah uh-huh. <laughs> but not the uh, not the one we know. So, uh, so yeah, Keith, thanks for throwing us off book again there. Not at all, my pleasure. Um, <laughs> but it was a good book. <laughs> Very much so. No, it was definitely but. worth mentioning. Um, so, yeah, that was the week of the 18th, um, which leads us on to the week of 25th. Now, the segue was going to be from G.I. Joe to Transformers. <laughs> <laughs> we went past Spider-Man. Yeah, um, yeah why not? Why but, not? yeah, Roddy, throw it in. You, you were saying a bit of disappointment with Transformers, the main series? How but, does Transformers uh, Galaxies way up? I have to say this is brilliant. Really can't recommend it enough. You don't need to know anything about a basic basically just need a basic grasp of who the Transformers are. There there are some um, parallels. I think there's Wheeljack who's in the main series appears and is yeah. uh, it Targamax as well. But this is basically a year one for the Constructicons who are like a group of uh, six characters who they're forged of uh, in the main series there's a they forge transformers to they can only do it so many times but because of the war and all that sort of stuff they forge these six transformers to basically rebuild after the great Great War of the Threefold Spark or something that's called that, yeah. <laughs> the um, old spark. Yeah, but um, it's written by Tyler Blazinski and the art is by Levo Ramandelli and you just go into the store and look at it if you have any copies left or pick it up. It's absolutely gorgeous. Lovely colours. Yeah. Um, can't recommend it enough. Oh, it, wow. fe- it feels more like a Transformers book than the other one now. Just because I see like the the visors glow out of the page at you, everything sort of shines. There's kind of like a metal sheen, yeah. yeah. Um, so basically, the Constructicons who were forged on Cybertron to rebuild Cybertron find themselves off Cybertron. 
and they find that kind of weird and that's your sort of what, is it a case of they're not needed anymore so they're sent away or pretty much there's a mystery as to why they are sent away okay uh, basically they're young they're brash and they don't really understand what they're doing so they're sent sent away they're basically not helping they're not doing the thing that they were created to do so basically they go away um, and basically try to find themselves and if you don't know there's six I thought like they really do an amazing job at getting six robots you know characters they really get their personalities over which I thought is really brilliant really brilliant to do um, and it's hard because sometimes they look very similar yeah but of course it's not just six personalities um, they are transformers that combine to form uh, Devastator I think it's Devast- called Devastator Devast- yeah, com- Devast- Combiner Transformers um, about to say Voltron there just for the card oh <clears throat> mixing not, 80s not nice. franchises <laughs> the Megazord <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, um, it's yeah. So that basically them coming together to form Devastator forms like a key part of the uh, story. So yeah, I can't really say much more because nobody else has read it. But I've really, really, really enjoyed it. Really, and uh, Levo Ramadelli's art just lovely, gorgeous, yeah, gorgeous. Stephanie Hans esque in a way. Some of the colors, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, really worth pick, picking up. And there is sort of a nice reveal at the end uh, that somebody's been watching them and is probably going to try and use them for evil, sinister motives. Mm-hmm. But yeah, really, really good. Can't recommend it enough. Cool. Especially if you're a Transformers fan and you're feeling the same way that Keith and I are. Oh, uh, yeah, okay. So it is, does. This, is this their way of still doing two Transformers books a month? But Well, it's under the same banner. It's a bold new era. Bold. Yeah, I don't know if this is a miniseries or not, or ongoing or whatever. It's but it's six issues it's, to the best uh, of my knowledge. Yeah, really, really good. Cool. Um, but I think it does. It's probably going to tie in more as it goes on. Nice one. So it's yeah. good, good to hear some positive words against Transformers giving our yeah, other felt, felt bad, felt bad disappointment. Slagging the other one off. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's Transformers Galaxy number one from the week of the 25th. Uh, we're now going to have a bit of DC love. Yep. Started with. Um, yeah, light week for me. Um, Sorry, I, I so just had to pick a DC one. <laughs> I just want to specify here, so Keith made some notes here, and to give you an idea of what how much Keith reads... My lightest week of the month with 15 titles. <laughs> Great introductory panel yeah, yeah. line there. Plenty, plenty, plenty going on this month. Um, uh, it wasn't as hard to pick this month. Strike Force, I was really looking forward to that one. And, uh, you were uh, saying you're disappointed? Yeah, it's got Blade and Winter Soldier in it, and yet it didn't quite, didn't quite do it. Oh, really? Yeah, no, I was really disappointed. Um, yeah, there's a few other bits and pieces. Captain America, number 14 is really... That's a book that's been... Uh, it's just it feels like it's been trying to get somewhere for like since it started since it started oh. under Tanahishi Coates and it's really hitting its stride with a Legend of Steve storyline Williamson's still doing his thing in the flash uh, a few other bits and pieces but speaking uh, of Williamson the standout for me was a was a Williamson book in uh, Batman Superman number two so your favourite guy and your favourite guy and um, of course my favourite guy comes first <laughs> my guy doesn't need the ego uh, are we talking about the logo here? I think it's just because Superman's a longer name. And it's alphabetical. Yeah. <laughs> Superman doesn't need to put a symbol in everything. <laughs> but if he did, you would buy it. 
<laughs> in a heartbeat. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess really this, creepy opening. Yeah, you know, it up. is. Yeah, this is this is this is. Uh, yeah, I guess following on from the Batman, Batman who laughs. Yeah. So we have uh, the Batman who laughs is infected or is, is infecting is in the process of infecting or has infected six of uh, our heroes, uh, our, our good good aligned characters, uh, with the evil um, dark metal. Uh, and has made them sort of evil. The first of those was the Shabbat Shazam, who has become the Shazam who laughs, who is a real git. Uh, <laughs> Very manipulative in the best way. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the second, as we figured out here, is uh, Commissioner Gordon. Um, and sort of, but uh, this continues the fight that ended with effectively Shazam, the Shazam who laughs, um, Earth's mightiest nightmare, with Superman by the throat and ready to. A stab him through the heart with one of the, the dark metal infected uh, boomerangs uh, David Marquez is the artist in this and I love the art in this this is one of the it's, things it's, that was, it's beautiful the art is so good um, Batman. See, see that's a backhanded compliment there because this is his first book for DC because he was a Marvel artist for 15 years oh really oh see, yeah. see, see. <laughs> imagine my surprise Keith, Keith didn't bring up Marvel this time <laughs> you did you're doing his job for him so the battle's taking place in the cave of the Batman who laughs and I mean Batman and Superman seem to be largely outmatched here because uh, obviously uh, magic is what parses am and magic is one of Superman's two weaknesses um, and Batman is just a guy um, so the, you know the, the battle's going on there's uh, lightning and superpowers and all this good stuff and of course the good guys are trying to protect the innocents which uh, which weakens them there's a really really cool scene where uh, Superman has Shazam by the throat and he's about to engage his heat vision and uh, Shazam who laughs is like whoa heat vision and then Shazam and he turns into Billy Batson and he's like holy moly Superman I didn't mean it uh, I, I don't know what's wrong with me I'm having hor horrifying violent thoughts screams in my eyes please don't hurt me and then Superman of course being Superman he's like Billy I, I, don't worry Billy Island he's like half full juice as I am and uh, turn around that's brilliant Just that, that image yeah I mean he's the, the watch he kills me yeah that, that image of you know Shazam, who's normally the big the big red cheese, yeah, you know, and this ragged hood and cloak and the big sort of maniacal grin, very barbarianist, and the 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 dark metal infected batarang. So, and he's he really he's really trying to get Superman with us. Obviously, trying to turn Superman into uh, the Superman who laughs. Uh, Batman, we meanwhile has got a hold of the Batman who laughs Batwing. He's saying Batman, Superman, look at that. <laughs> he needs to be useful somehow. <laughs> Batman who laughs makes a fast ride. Shame, man. He crashes this thing into Shazam. You know. Um, yeah, just great layouts in the art as well. It goes back to what you always say, Keith, about nice, clean. Yeah, it is clean. Yeah. Easy to follow, but detailed art. You know, it's. Uh, and is that is that another dark metal batarang that Batman is stabbing Shazam with, or? I think it is. You can, Based on the shape, I think it yeah. might be the it's the original Shazam battering. Right, is that what that is? Yeah. Uh, oh yes, it has got the lightning bolt on so it. So I'm assuming yeah, it, it yeah. can hurt him. So and then you can see that the Superman, the other one, has got oh, the Superman symbol. But on Superman it. doesn't need a symbol and everything. He Remember. didn't make it. Batman <laughs> made it. He's the one with the uh, you know, marketing issues. Yeah, and then it's it's. it's this is this is creepy. The infected Billy just. It's, he's a he's a little git. He's yeah. Like a Damien. Yeah. 
But hey, he's like, <laughs> he's like, he's like a mean version of Damien. So hey, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say Damien wasn't mean. You know, he puts Superman in a terrible position. You know, to, to either keep fighting or save the Batman's life, and so Batman's just saved Superman's life, and now Superman's yeah. gonna have to save Batman's life. Um, yeah, so it's absolutely great. Um, Superman does choose to save Batman's life. Batman wakes up in the Fortress of Solitude. Um, you know, smashes his way out of the, the bio Can't just open the door. chamber, you know, whatever it is, and uh, tries to take out Kelix. Kelix or Kilorn? Kelix. Uh, you know, and uh, and that, you know, trying to figure out where Shazam is. Superman's there, he's battered, he's bruised, he lets Shazam get away. Um, uh, in order to in order to save Batman and uh, Superman's convinced that you know there's still a bit of Billy Batson in there you know whatever it is he's 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 just a kid you know he beat both Superman and Batman you know the the glorious team up beaten by by the Shazam who laughs um, coming up coming up blank on where Shazam is uh, they've got the the evil Shazam Batarang and the evil the dark metal Superman Batarang and uh, they come up with a plan um, there's a nice little moment there I think it's in the previous page where it reveals Batman can quite easily just read Kryptonian yes that's right you can read Kryptonian <laughs> and he yeah. says a phrase back he says a phrase yeah so so yeah the plan they come up with again we're, we're seeing that uh, Commissioner Gordon's up to something for the Batman who laughs and we're not quite sure yet what it is but he's standing outside Arkham Asylum and that's never a good thing and uh, you know the, the 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 Batman who laughs is is kept. He's been pr- imprisoned in secret by Batman after the Batman who laughs miniseries in the the Hall of Justice uh, in some backward bat prison under the Hall of Justice, and uh, someone powerful breaks in, and it's revealed to be the Superman who laughs. You know, uh, we're led to believe or understand that this is actually our Superman. You know, going undercover going undercover in the same way as Batman tried to do in the Batman Who Laughs uh, infecting himself with the dark metal uh, and he's there to you know to apparently rescue the Batman Who Laughs who but seems to have fallen for it who seems to have fallen for it you know and in the, the, the bottom the, the, the last panel Batman is sitting there in the background going okay Clark clock's ticking so <laughs> obviously there's only there's only a, Clark only maybe has a certain amount of time as in, the, in this disguise before he's taken over completely or I guess something yeah. along those lines yeah this was just solid this was just good comics you know great writing yeah. uh, which you've just come to expect from Williamson um, and the the art was fantastic everything just matched up beautifully so yeah it's nice it was fun it was yeah. dark but it was fun uh, so yeah really really enjoyed it really good enjoyed humor it. and good dynamic between yep. Batman and Superman uh, that's what stood out the most for me in both issues so mm, far great dialogue you're not seeing you're not seeing the, the, the Batman is relatable mm-hmm. Batman is a wee bit more relatable you know than he might maybe other writers maybe don't have him that way you know he's uh, yeah I, brilliant absolutely brilliant yeah really good I mean and it just you know it's interesting. So Williamson has written the Flash. He's now written Batman and Superman very successfully. That's half the Justice League this man's written, <laughs> you know. So that's not not bad going. Not at all. And speaking of Superman, we come to Killen's choice then um, for the week of the twenty fifth. 
Yes, my choice is Action Comics 1015. Uh, this is guest starring Naomi, who Brian Michael Bendis introduced her own little miniseries. Um, which and who I, I thought was going to be the character, the immortal Legion. character in Legion of the Lame. Oh? Yep, that's, I was absolutely convinced. Yeah, um, that character has shown up a little. Rose and Thorn. Yeah. yeah. Who is also a Bendis character that he introduced. Yeah. yeah. Um, this opens up with what I assume comes straight out of the events of the Naomi miniseries. Naomi with her newly found, adopted, or gained powers, crash lands in Metropolis. And of course comes face crashing through the Daily Planet Globe, of course, because nothing else. Aim for a landmark. Those those point of view shots are class, because yeah. you see her from her point of view with her hands out in front of her. Trying to stop herself, yeah, and yeah. then there is just a moment of her being, I've never flown before. I've never had to land before. I don't know how to do this. Uh, so, of course, she crash lands. Superman appears. Sort of takes her under the wing, doesn't it? Takes her under his wing. Uh, has a quick clean-up of the area. Stands there very unassuming, though. Survives like... He's, he's, very, casual, he's very casual about the whole thing. Um, it's very... Superman's very at home in his element. He, him and Naomi fly to the Hall of Justice. He gives her a helping hand on how to land. And takes her in for a few tests just to figure out where her powers are from, who she is, and uh, why she's landed in Metropolis. He's joined by a few other characters from the league. I believe it's Batman. Yeah, there's another guy there too. Uh, it's Ray Palmer. So he's just trying to figure out where Naomi comes from. I think Naomi is from another universe. She's got a very Superman-esque origin, I think. Yeah, I think instead of sent from another planet, she was sent from another universe, but it's very sent in a basket down the river. Oh no, it was yeah. There's a her universe was taken over by a villain, and she was sent from her universe to escape the villain. But her worry is that the villain is following yeah. her to this universe. In fact, she knows he is, and that's why she's contacted Superman. She's come to help. Boom, done. Who else would you go for to help but Superman? Uh, and so Superman's running these tests, trying to figure out. She's dangerous, she's okay, and of course it's a bit of a throwback to Bendis' first few action issues. Batman sneaks up and scares someone because why not? He's Batman. But it very much shows Superman working with the league, showing that he's not just a punch, punch, punch guy. Um, he's worried about Naomi, he's worried about, I suppose, what she can do, just how she got her powers and if she's going to be okay. And then run their tests, Batman's doing his thing. And he gets to Superman, hears something in the distance, and Batman asks if it's Luther, and Superman replies, no, Leviathan. Uh, tying into, obviously, Event Leviathan, also by Bendis. I think I feel like half of DC has been currently written by Bendis. <laughs> yeah, definitely, he's got his corner. <laughs> the other half he's, by Joshua Williamson. He's got his corner, like. <laughs> yeah, uh, but it turns out to be the Red Cloud, who was... A Leviathan-related villain. Leviathan-related villain. She's been powered up by Lex Luthor, or her potential's been released. So she appeared, like, five issues ago. She reappeared at the start of Bendis's... And she's been powered up by Lex Luthor, but the Riddler isn't. Yeah. That seems unfair. She... <laughs> this... The Red Cloud is a 15-issue-old mm -hmm. uh, character, and has gotten a gift from Lex Luthor, and the Riddler has not. So you can understand why it was salty. And she trounces Superman? She really trounces Superman. Uh, there was, even before she was fully powered up in previous issues, she did give Superman a bit of a beatdown. Uh, she's able to go intangible. She basically suffocates him, so she's she kills him from the inside she's out. Got, she's, she's, got, she's got some like, 
he's he seems very vulnerable to whatever it is. Yeah, her she mentions that if Luther knew that I was going to be able to take you out this easy, would he have given me the gift? I think not. Uh, and then it just ends quite honestly with Superman being smashed Can into. Can Naomi see if Superman from the Red Cloud? Yes, probably will because otherwise Action Comics is going to go in a bit of a hiatus. <coughs> is and, that uh, uh, Simon Kudransky art? It is, I believe. Only reason I ask is because uh, yes. yes, it is. He it is, was yes. the artist on Rosenberg's Punisher run, which uh, has been awesome, and that's a rather different, um, rather different art style to what Punisher is. Brad oh, Anderson yeah. on colors. Uh, yeah, that would be actually, the gentleman who started following us on Twitter about a week ago. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> nice. Yeah, no action comics. Thoroughly enjoyed it, and I neither have let me down. Um, Su- Superman action comics are just still great. Bendis knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. He does. Take Almost that, like Steven. he is a veteran of the comic industry. Take that, Stephen. <laughs> In fairness, Stephen is um, reading action comics. Oh, I'm sorry, dropped Bit- off it, but he is he's reading, reading he's, Levi- re- he's reading Leviathan bitterly. Yeah, bitterly, I think is right. Um, yeah, and then just finish off the uh, the weekly releases just with um, another return to form for me. You know, as if Batman and Tom Keane titles were not enough, we have my usual monthly uh, recommendation of Deadly Class. Uh, the only reason I jumped out with this one is for the best of the week here was because this is uh, the start of a new story arc, uh, part one of a new arc called Bone Machine. Um, what I really like what they're doing with Deadly Class now as well is it's moving through the years a little bit. So just underneath the issue number, it's telling you the year it's set. Really? So in this oh, case, cool. 1989. And how um, quickly are they moving through the years? Um, it's it's been over maybe about two years at this point. Okay. So it started sort of eighty seven, I believe. Um, I don't want to go into too much detail on this simply because I know that um, some people are reading this in trade form, mm-hmm. but the story is basically set up into two different elements. Um, so you have you read the latest trade? Yes. Okay. So obviously Marcus and uh, Maria are back at school. Yep. They're now legacy uh, people. Um. But another character from the past comes in and Maria makes her, that character, her pledge uh, to bring her back into the fold. And then the other story is uh, Helmut, who was uh, with a character called Petra, who was killed. She deci- He decides to search out where she came from and how much her parents fucked her up, essentially. Um, I'll not go into too much details, but... Um, for anyone who loves the joy of this world that is religion, it starts off with this really... Um, innocent looking church in a small town in Sacramento and lots of smiles and lots of come on in child we'll save you and ends up in the basement with everyone having a huge sex orgy uh, with swords and uh, demon masks and all sorts and Helmet Helmet takes pretty much an axe to all of them Um, it just I really appreciate um a the Balamina joke and I also appreciate <laughs> the fact that um, I appreciate the fact that Deadly Class can tell, still surprise and shock me uh, 40 issues in it's always been an uber violent series but uh, I really like the uh, direction this went in and it's a it's a cracking start to New York so uh, I'll not continue too much further on that while everybody composes themselves uh, that is our wrap up of the best of each week nice. but that is exclusive of course of our picks of the month um, who wants to go first on their pick of the month then pick of the month I'll go first sure while I'm talking <laughs> anyway um, 
my pick of the month is something that really surprised me. Um, I'm not even going to pull the issue out. I just, I was so impressed by it. This was Harleen number one. So I know certain people don't like Black Label, not just Keith, but certain people don't <laughs> like the size of it. I like Black Label. I'm I'm one of the only ones I think. I've, I've got no issue with stories and storytelling. I'm just I don't like the format. The format. I'm I'm not a fan of the format. I'm not a fan of the format in general. But this book it really worked. Like really worked. Um, Superman Year One I've enjoyed. Um, I don't yeah. think it's as good as Up in the Sky. If it's coming to a Superman title, you probably don't think it's as good as Bendis' Superman stuff. Batman Damned was another one that suffered from poor release scheduling, but also story wise was yeah. was all right. Batman Last Night on Earth is everyone's biggest um, point to go to when it says, why not just do it regular size? Harley, though, to me, Harley Quinn is a character I personally couldn't care less about. She peaked in the animated series, was a side character, and somehow got romanticized into this great, you know, symbol for women, even though she is basically someone who suffers from Stockholm Syndrome. There's four guys at this table. That's not good too much in. (laughs) Anyway. So Harley Quinn's not really a character I'm interested in, but what I what attracted me to this is this is not the story of Harley Quinn. This is the story of Harleen Quinzel. This is a story of a naive, well-trained psychologist who optimistically thinks she can make a difference in the world. Gotham is this rundown, horrible place. She honestly believes she can help people. And throughout this book, it's all one thing I think you love about this book, Keith, is although they don't do it in thought bubbles. Nearly the whole book is just narrated inside her head. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really brilliantly done. It shows her intelligence. It shows her compassion. But there's so much foreboding. It's incredible. Um, like one of the best images in the book is Har- Harleen walking into Arkham Asylum. And it's this big page. Her walking through the gates. But her shadow is Harley Quinn with like the hammer and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's really subtle little yeah, things okay. like that. But she's also attracted to the Joker. Now, the Joker is done in this in an interesting way in that I think it was... What, what did you describe him as a cross between... The Joker and Johnny Depp. Joker and Johnny Depp. I'm not Johnny Depp broken down, looks like shit Johnny Depp these days, but Johnny Depp from 20 years ago. Um, but what I like about it is the whole book is from Harleen's point of view. So this is how she sees the Joker. She There needs to be something there for her to give up all of her principles and her sanity to be attracted to this monster and therefore he's very alluring that's why he's presented this way that's what we were saying beauty in the eye of the beholder yeah very much so Um, but Harleen just blew me away and it it came out at a time where obviously we discussed earlier the Joker movie this is almost a companion piece to the Joker movie Um, I could see this being and Margot Robbie could pull it off no problem Um, I was I I thought this was so good I was just really I keep saying the words blown away I just did not expect this from this book. Um, yeah, I didn't expect to enjoy it half as much as I actually yeah. did. I kind of thought of maybe pick up issue one, maybe wait for the trade. But I say I wasn't going to pick out the book, but now I'm going to pick out the book. I um, uh, should say it's all written, all drawn, Stepan Sejic, all of, yeah, Croatian artist and writer. Um, you know, there's insights into Harley's dreams in it. There's dark, twisted imagery. There's these images of Batman looking like this demonic creature who's batting down on this poor Joker character. Um, there's all these broken glass bits and pieces. There's, as Keith noticed earlier, you know, there's little links to other movies, like my story is the one where the girl dances with the devil and then they're in front of the pale moonlight. Um, 
it's all about Harley coming to Gotham and you know at the start she's like this drunk who like her career's imploding and she had affairs with previous teachers and the reputations and it, hung around yeah absolutely and then she happens to be in Gotham in the middle of a big battle between the Joker and Batman so just another Tuesday night <laughs> <laughs> but I mean there's this great I mean th- this is why this yeah, format this works for me so see that there's a part here where the Joker has her gunpoint and what you actually see is her life flashing before her eyes and all the panels mm-hmm. like right up to where her point of view is the Joker's gun in her face but the Joker doesn't kill her he tends to just like walk off and you know, she's wondering why he didn't kill her or whatever. But then Batman shows up. Great fight between them. Um, has one of my favourite pages here where Batman's dropped a smoke bomb. And he's beating up the Joker. And he smacks the Joker out of the smoke. And he smacks against that. He shudders. Harley looks at him. He smiles. Then the next panel is him looking down at a grappling hook, hitting him in the chest. And then the next panel is him yoinked back yeah. into the smoke. Um, it's just, there, there's, there's humour to it. The art's fantastic, but... I mean that's the, the, the he's a fantastic artist the art's incredible I mean just look at some of the, the design of it you you know the panels are different from page to page there's this great part where Batman's punching the Joker and there's this huge sort of demonic Joker smile slash bat symbol with different um, w- windows within mm-hmm. that um, you know Hardy's having more nightmares um, so she ends up getting this research grant which is given to her by Lucius Fox it's the Wayne board is actually funding her research because again I think it might just as Bruce Wayne personally is yep that he has personally improved it because it's this idea of helping the criminals of Gotham um, and that was just a great part where she just like gives the finger to someone she used to work with you know just sort of like right here finger up but yeah there's that panel I'm talking about you know she's walking in with all this optimism big smile on her face the, the shadows of Gotham are there and the dialogue here was great as well um, the day I left the institute was a happy day I felt like I was leaving all the bullshit behind me and I was walking to a bright future I guess there's something to be said about walking towards the light you tend not to notice the shape of your own shadow Ooh. and then the shape of the shadow is Harley Quinn the jester hat the mallet the, the big gun um, I knew nothing of my future staring at the light I cared little about the shadows all I knew was that I'd finally made it and then there's another great part in it you know Hugo Strange is helping run Arkham but what I'm looking for is you know this great spread of all the different people she's working with you've Killer Croc, you've got Poison Ivy you got Zaz again these great page layouts but there was one specific part I was looking at where um, they reimagine Harvey Dent in it and Harvey wants her to shut her research down he's trying to block her actually doing it um, you know he's trying to say like you know Bruce Wayne he's a good man he's donating the causes like yours he's trying to understand the violence behind the family but um, he comes out with all these ideals saying like this is not going to work you know this is money going to nothing you should be you know focusing stuff elsewhere and then again at the end of this conversation Harvey Dent has with Harleen she has this voiceover saying it's kind of funny all of our big words and our moralizing and yet within five months we would both become murderers and she's walking away from the table and you see Two-Face on one side and Harley on the other. Mm-hmm. Um, I just I, I just reading through it again, I can't get over how good this book is. And for me, it is the standout of the Black Label line so far. And it ends with uh, the first time she's... It's got a very Silence of the Lambs feel to it here where Harleen's treating Joker through the, the glass window. Mm-hmm. And uh, at the end, Joker says, Please, Doctor, call me Jay. 
and she's like very well Mr. J yeah. uh, <laughs> absolutely thoroughly brilliant one of the this is going to be one of the books of the year um, I'm going to wow. say and again for a character I had zero interest in this is how you do it um, if Black Label could pull that off with that if they had started with that and Batman down without all the issues Black Label maybe would have been a bit better received well it's interesting I mean for us in the store anyway Black Label is well received you know the, the pre-orders of all Black Label titles are mm. high um, people sort of see Black Label in a way as an interesting sign of quality um, Damned had big pre-orders last night does Harleen's one of those ones that the week it was coming out there was maybe 9 or 10 and it's nice to know people trust my opinion on it because I took a photo of it put it up to our Facebook page and went wow this where did this come from and within a week the the police had moved from 9 to 24 because people were just like can I get a copy of that and everyone who has picked it up since has said thank you so much for that because that mm. was that was such a surprise that was brilliant um, so as I say I know you're not a fan of the format and all the rest Keith I will happily throw you the copy to read it properly because brilliant. it is it is brilliant um, so yeah that was my pick of the month for September and I do think it'll be one of my picks of the year come the end of the year for best issue one and that's Harleen number one Mr. McCants Mr. McCants indeed yes uh, September 2019 Sure. Um, well, I read through Harleen there just before we started. Just want to say I also thought it was incredible. So, um, yeah. But another book that is absolutely phenomenal that came out, I think that this is the very start of September. And it's another Boom Studios book. And it is by James Tinian IV, who is the latest Batman writer. Or newly announced on yeah. Batman Day, taking over from Tom King, Batman writer. Yeah, so. And well deserved. Also illustrated by Werther Del Dera, who's an Italian artist. And the. But yeah, starting off, um, starts off Teen Party, Truth or Dare truth and it's a lot of kind of rowdy kids and then it turns out truth what's the most scared you've ever been and then we get into a story and it's like what's the best you can come up with and then it's like oh well this night the other week there was something something outside it definitely wasn't a bad dream I turned out the lights in the TV room in this room right here just wanted to see what was out there so I looked out the window and just for a second I saw this I don't know this thing standing taller taller than a tree standing in the middle of the yard like it had been walking towards the house but the lights going off confused it um, there's a lot of foreboding in this book and it's I would say the premise of it it's it's a horror book but you don't really get the premise of it until right at the end yeah. when the main Ooh. character shows up there's That's a lot of great setup something's just occurred to me here um, so obviously the kids get uh, James is the kid that's explaining what he's seen mm-hmm. you know as part of the, the truth um, you know and he, he's obviously a kid that has very vivid dreams you know and this that and the other he's used to tell his friends but this is a wee bit different and then at the, the end of this after he's finished telling the story they're all a bit freaked out they're like fuck you that didn't happen you're just trying to freak us out and he goes I'm not yes you are I'm not I'm not trying I mean so you know they're like, so where does this thing live? You've seen the ravine there, out there under the bridge. You're telling me that you don't think there's anything spooky out there. And they're like, not that kind of spooky. And then he goes, okay then, Noah. Truth or dare? I think he dared him to go outside. <laughs> I think that's why he's so fucked up the rest yeah. of this book. 
<laughs> yeah, it just just occurred to me. Yeah, um, then it goes on. He basically is retelling this to I think it's a police detective. Um, that we will find out later on. Double page spread with a massive something is killing the children. <laughs> what was the yeah. What was the tweet about this? It was uh, Tom Taylor. So I think it was James Taylor and something about deceased. And he was saying like, I can't believe how dark deceased is getting in the latest issue. <laughs> this This character was treated so badly, and Tom Taylor just replied with. Your next book is literally called Something is Killing the Children. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we've got um basically like two stories kind of run in parallel. Um two weeks later. Two weeks later we go to we are introduced, albeit not in name at the moment, but we are introduced to Erica Slaughter, which is the coolest name ever. Mm-hmm. Um she is wielding two, not one machetes. two machetes. And uh, looks like she's just done something horrible. She pulls off, pulls uh, this girl with one eye and a wee... One eye, no legs and one arm. Yeah, in a trailer. Um, takes a sip of water and then she's on the phone and he's like, yeah, yeah, it's done. It's done. How long did it take? And then it looks like there's another job and that may relate to what James is going through. She's got a, she's got a fixer phone, her basic flip phone says St. George is clearly her, her, her yeah, fixer, her monster hunting fixer or something. <laughs> I don't know. That's, if there is such a thing. If there is such a thing. If there's not, there should be. <laughs> and then we return to James in school and his friends are basically, well, if we can call them friends, former friends, question him. Heard that the cops had to pull the kids, Carl, the, that kid, Carl's intestines out of the tree. That's right, your little boyfriend. Basically blaming him for this thing that happened, but we don't really know what happened at the moment. We'll find out later. Um, so there's a lot of foreboding and foreshadowing. Yeah, the kids going are the, the other kids are effectively really brutal, accusing him yeah. of chopping up his friends. You yeah. know, so uh, saying you're to blame. You're a freak. You know, you're this. You're that. Then he um, he blows up, tells the kid to shut the fuck up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he ends up in the principal's office. You know, Who, a, the <laughs> principal's kind of cool. Yeah, he's, he's like, you man, should you should have punched him. him. <laughs> 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 you know, but the principal is clearly freaked out by what's happened as well. Nine dead kids in two weeks, more missing every day, and nobody knows a thing. The news cameras showed up for a day, and now they won't return my calls. The sheriff's <laughs> office doesn't even know where to start. I think it's a rabbit bear so you know it's pre- you know uh, yeah the principal's just like a, he's clearly a young guy he's like i'm only just out of school myself a couple <laughs> of years ago i don't know what i'm doing here <laughs> you know um yeah and then uh by yeah. chance well maybe, by design maybe by design erica slaughter rocks up Two. just off the bus sees a massive board of missing children um, sort of milk carton kids would you say mm-hmm. and then police officer rocks up you know one of them you, you could, could say that, that she says uh, and then she runs into James and he's worried that she's going to hurt him uh, but she actually wants to ask him a few questions and ask him about that night some great dialogue the yeah. dialogue's great and then she says I'm sorry you're scared I just want to know what's happened and then the big reveal James and his friends he's looking basically it's after the dare so maybe he yeah, has dared yeah. them to go they, outside they're, they're down at the ravine they're under the bridge he's heard them she know 
she sort of effectively asks him tell me what you didn't tell the police yeah you heard them screaming what then and then we find out that Noah has no legs and his intestines are hanging out and James goes to grab his hands and he doesn't realise he's got no legs yeah. <laughs> just can't feel his legs it's gross take me with you and he James runs away in horror and then he runs into Carl who is missing can't even, some arms and legs can't even describe what happened to him no can't be real thinks it's a nightmare and the art and the colours are gorgeous in this one horrendously gorgeous yeah horrendously gorgeous <laughs> and kid's then, skull falls from a tree squishily it's all horrible it was all really horrible the whole thing was horrible yeah and then there you go there's some crazy looking monster thing with I don't know like a spider creature thing tearing lads apart yeah is that something it's, that is killing children that is something that is killing the children yeah <laughs> Yep, so. Uh, but she just, she handles it like this, you know, her phone goes. She's like, this fucking thing. What? Yeah, and the, she picks up the phone. Classy seven, Archer's Peak, Wisconsin. Yep, <laughs> I've got it handled. She's almost <laughs> like, she treats it the same as uh, Gran from Once yeah, in the like Future. Bridget, yeah. She's so down to earth yep. about it. Like it's it's normal, but yeah, then you have, just, then you have her the life, other character yeah. who's like, "What? This is this is crazy. Can't be involved in this." That, that last couple of pages is great. You've got it handled. What? What do you mean you've got it handled? <laughs> you've got a monster in those woods. That's why I'm here. I'm going to kill it. Can I help? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So he's obviously in all of his depth, but he feels he needs revenge. Yeah, like revenge for his friends. So yeah, yeah really looking, really really intriguing first issue absolutely gorgeous I've never heard of Werther Deladera before but excited to see more from him and see where this goes as mm-hmm. we know it is now a ongoing series so mm-hmm. and it was Don't very know. very close to being my pick of, pick of the month I have to say so glad I got in there before totally agree <laughs> totally agree such a good but book and thanks very much for uh, getting me a late copy on no worries I'm actually quite envious that fourth print cover it's lovely it's cool isn't it he's a beauty <laughs> But my pick was quite similar to Keith's. Which I kind of wanted to make will, it, but we'll get to. Which mm-hmm. we will get to. That will be the last of the podcast. We will hand, head over to Keelan, though. Um, does this complete... No, it doesn't have absolute carnage. I was going to say, was this uh, completing a DC clean sweep? But you did start off with absolute carnage. No, so I'm not that biased. I wouldn't pick There's one There's nothing wrong with being that biased. Did um, Alan tell you to do three DC titles? Shh, <laughs> <laughs> are you trying to please him because it's your first day <laughs> uh, so my pick for the month was Deceased A Good Day to Die so the tie in to Tom Taylor's brilliant uh, brilliant six issue miniseries DC Zombies but better <laughs> <laughs> they're not zombies they're techno-organic viruses fair <laughs> Uh, this is it's very much removed from the main story of Superman and Wonder Woman uh, leading the last of humanity the backdrop's the same though isn't it the it's the same backdrop it's set with it's just basically showing how few other characters in the DC universe are coping with all the stuff that's going down so it opens up with uh, Mr. Miracle and Big Barda viewing what I assume was the remains of Apocalypse. These are very, well, It's the, the whole thing started in Apocalypse, didn't it? Yeah, it started yeah. Apo- Dark Side. Got Cyborg. And yeah. these are very much Tom King's uh, Mr. Miracle and Big Bird. Yeah. You know, she's like, how do you feel? 
honestly pretty good yeah you know it's all very touchy feely you know they're they're there emotionally and all that stuff uh, but flick through and it's just showing a few more characters there's Captain Boomerang he's been infected uh, Mr. Terrific is almost called him Mr. T Mr. Terrific <laughs> is uh, trying to examine him and she's showing the shape of the world and everything's gone a bit tits up since the uh, techno-organic virus was released um, but Mr. Gold and Blue Beetle Big Barda, Mr. Miracle and Mr. Terrific are all going to team up to try to find a solution or at least fight some people which they do quite well and quite very bloodily with uh, Mr. Miracle pointing out that he so- somehow managed to get a pe- someone's ear in his tights uh, but yeah it's just the story of it is it's very much set aside from the main problem of them trying to find a cure They're, these guys are just trying to survive and figure out what what has gone wrong with Earth so a lot of different artists in this there are quite others uh, let me see so Laura Braga Derek Robertson Richard Friend Trevor Scott Derek Robertson and then Colorist there's quite a few and then Derek Robertson they're doing that well, yeah just as you were coming to those pages there was an interesting story on Twitter so Derek Robertson mostly known for the boys mm-hmm. um and someone had put up on Twitter, it's so great to see Derek Robertson back drawn Constantine. And Derek Robertson replied, went, I've never drawn Constantine before. <laughs> <laughs> but he's sort of so synonymous with that vertigo period of Hellblazer, uh, the boys, yeah, yeah. preacher. I can sympathize with making, mixing up an artist on Twitter. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he draws this, it was great. <laughs> no, in this case, I, I mixed up Nick Darrington and Mitch, Mitch Gerard. Uh, he put up a picture of. Uh, a Nick Mr. Darrington cover and went I wish I had the no so what was that it I, was Nick Darrington's Mr. Miracle cover and I tagged Mr. Ed's in it saying basically I wish I, I, wish I had I this, had level, of this level of talent and Mr. Ed's wrote which Mr. Ed's himself replies saying so did I <laughs> so did I but I think this is more of a uh, Nick Darrington tribute and then he replied to that being like I like it and I just replied to both of them I'm really sorry <laughs> but they both liked it so I was quite happy with that yeah fair enough uh, but anyway good day to die uh, which is how I felt that day uh, cuts to John Constantine running through the streets of Liverpool being chased by the uninfected horde he tries to get to Chaz's taxi to discover that Chaz has also been infected yeah you just see him there with a the phone it's yeah, like, oh, no. you can see the uh, obviously it has the bloody covered phone. Mm-hmm. Uh, John decides that obviously he has to do something about this, so he incinerates Chaz. I don't know if that kills Chaz because I know Chaz. As far as I know, Chaz is immortal. Yeah. I think there has to be uh, something left to regrow, though. Yeah, so that's possibly why I incinerate him. So John decides to take the taxi for a ride, crashes right into the back of, another car, of a parked car. I might add. Uh, and lambast himself for not being able to drive the car is teleported sorry uh, someone else teleports in and incinerates everyone else around him it is the team of Barda Mr. Miracle and Mr. Terrific come to rescue him they basically say we need to do something about this we're heroes Uh, so they take they take John with them to try and find the cure and it's goes as well as deceased us or anyone else in this story they try and fight they try and fight and they fall and it begins with 
Barda and Mr. Miracle falling together and then Booster and Blue Beetle make three to find this guy who is Wave Rider. He is a linear man, I think that's basically a time cop. He's here to arrest Booster Gold for stealing his time sphere and fiddling with the timeline, uh, which DC are quite famous for. Timeline fiddling? <laughs> well, yes. Barry Allen is quite famous. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, basically, John Constantine says, "Sticks head." Point, yep, <laughs> just sticks the head right in there, breaks his nose. You didn't see uh, that coming, did you, Time Lord? <laughs> traps, uh, traps the uh, Time guy with him, and Booster Gold starts to feel funny. Uh, Ted Cord rushes to help him. Booster points out that he thinks we just lost. I don't think I've ever, I was ever born. I'm sorry, and I'll never know you now, Ted. It's quite sad if if you do follow the friendship of Booster Gold and the Blue Beetle. They, I know they're sort of a comedic duo, but they have a really strong friendship throughout DC. But it comes to it that Blue Beetle slashes uh, Wave Rider's throat because John Constantine has trapped him there to basically suffer with everyone else. And then Dr. Fate, who is a uh, I think it was mentioned previously a per man's Doctor Strange or was it vice versa <laughs> uh, him and Zatanna so diplomatic yeah him and Zatanna come to rescue John John takes his anger out and Doctor Fate's uh, the helm of Naboo which Zatanna also points out it's made of metal so you probably shouldn't be punching it and uh, those three go off to uh, try and save the world because the Lords of Chaos and Order can eat a big bag of bollocks. The world isn't over until John Constantine says it is. And is John Constantine going to segue into the main series then? That's what I'm curious about. I'm it assuming says. it's something going to come up in the final issue. It has to be continued. Yeah, so I don't know whether it'll be <laughs> brought into the last issue of Deceased itself yes. or if it's going to segue some way into the Constantine title. So or some soon. comments oh, that would Or they yes. could say it's from a different timeline or something. Yeah, we'll yeah, yeah I'm be. really hoping that the whole of Deceased isn't ended by someone going back in time mm. I kind of hope I, it's, it's, I mean, it's only self-contained universe I think the, 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 yeah I think it is isn't it I like to think so yeah yeah. it's no. just a universe where nothing goes or anything goes you know and it's, you don't need to follow continuity or anything like that so you also yeah. shouldn't get attached to anyone because they <laughs> probably will die so that brings us to our final pick, which is Keith slash Roddy slash mine slash. But Keith is going to leave. Yeah, the, I'm, gonna, I'm, happy to, I'm happy to take it. Now and we're finishing it. off with a graphic novel. Yeah, so we bit of a cheat. This is an OGN. Uh, we decided we're not going to use collected editions. Yeah, uh, you know, for for our otherwise Dial will be on this yeah, all the absolutely. time. <laughs> but uh, this is an original graphic novel. Um, maybe the first of a number uh, based on the, the number one on it. Yeah, bloody spin. better be. Um, <laughs> Oh, but yeah, I mean, this is this is one that uh, Roddy actually put me onto when we were going through previews mm -hmm. some some yeah. while ago, and uh, it just it really appealed to me. Um, Why did it appeal to you, Keith? It appealed to me because I don't like fascists. Um, <laughs> anything, uh, anything that involves Nazis getting punched, I'm good with it. Yeah, with it. absolutely. But more than that, it just it looked it, it looked good, and it you know the the, the art was fantastic. It's it's. Simon Says by uh, by Andre R. Uh, Fratino and artist Jesse Lee. Um, 
It's an artist uh, forced to paint swastikas on train cars for the Nazis during the Holocaust becomes an unlikely vigilante in pre-Cold War Europe. Um, alongside his army companion Bruno, he hunts down the criminals responsible for murdering his wife, his family and his people. Um, it's gritty black and white. Well, and the only other colour they really use in it is, is red uh, yeah. so in that respect it's very reminiscent of V for Vendetta it's insidious but yeah it's just a real great story, it looks great, reminds me of how The Walking Dead first looked whenever it was in its first mm, trade actually, Tony Murr uh, yeah Tony Murr, a wee bit um, but yeah set in Berlin 1946 um, you know we're first introduced to our I guess our hero uh, in a in a beer house, and uh, there's a, a guy comes in. He causes a bit of hassle. Um, he's a, he makes a bit of a, a tit of himself, and, and so forth and so on. And then uh, our hero follows him outside. He doesn't recognise me, but I recognise him in a stone lighter. And uh, the, uh, the 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 our I guess our protagonist, who's a a fairly slight, uh, mustachioed uh, Jewish man uh, corners this guy. This guy's a, a former uh, former SS soldier, and uh, he takes him down. And uh, you know, it's all against the backdrop of his old job painting signs uh, for the Nazis, painting swastikas in the train cars. Um, but um, Simon. Uh, the Simon of the of the title uh, is backed up by uh, American as an American forces. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, as he he hunts uh, escaped Nazis or Nazis who have escaped justice. Uh, and there was quite a lot of them in that there, time. Yeah, absolutely, there were. And uh, he has this, uh, I guess, this thing he does where whenever he captures them, he he uses his waist lipstick to paint a red swastika on their heads. Their foreheads, it's the sort, same of, sort of like he's retaking what he had to do in the war. Yeah, exactly. Turning exactly. it on its head. But uh, at the same time, this conspiracy begins as a, a card falls out of this captured Nazi's pocket. Uh, it's almost a symbol. It's, it's like two two figure eights, but it's nearly reminiscent of an SS symbol or. Mm -hmm. a, um, but two infinity symbols. Yeah, something along those lines. Um, but you know by the end of it he reveals he was a painter for a famous man uh, no shit for who Hitler uh, and you see the backdrop a large page spread of the trains going into a concentration camp painted with swastikas um, but yeah the, the the story the story continues the it's, it's a constant battle Simon works for the, the US or works with the US forces in I, Berlin. I, they basically fund um, him. Yeah, the segregated so city. He's he's their sniffer dog effectively, sniffing mm -hmm. out Nazis. But in in a way the I guess the the Americans are just a way for Simon to do what he wants to do. Anyway, he wants his revenge on the people who, yeah. who killed his family. You sort of get the feeling he would um, towards the end he would do it anyway. He does it he anyway. Didn't have yeah, exactly. He, he uses their resources to do what he would do yeah. anyway. But it's an but obsession for him. Yeah, he still plays the game because yeah. there's a point yeah. then where he meets an American general and he's all smiles and he's like, "I'll smile for these pricks all day yeah. long. I just want them to keep funding <laughs> my yeah, war." Exactly, exactly. And uh, yeah, he in fact he has never left the war. Well, that's what's interesting about it because certainly the Americans do say to him, "They're like, look, son, we won the war. We hanged all those guys for the world yeah. to see." 
the world's moving on and he's a character who hasn't, who hasn't moved on and yeah as you say eventually it becomes clear that you know they are going to withdraw their funding that you know they, they feel that the job is done but he knows it's not done but he knows it's not done because the guy who killed the people he killed his family apparently is still yeah, not, you know there his, his friend Bruno from the army turns up um, Bruno is a German um, you know and he's, he's trying to get out but uh, Simon says he'll help him get out and then Bruno's able to reveal something about the whereabouts of another of another uh, escaped Nazi and uh, and so he agrees to Simon decides not to send them away that he could be useful in his in his war at this one man war so in some ways Simon is kind of like the Punisher a wee bit you know <laughs> he's reminiscent a wee bit of, of Frank Castle with his obsession you know and so forth and so on uh, not that I would uh, you know compare because I mean the suffering that very much the Holocaust is at the centre of this you know yeah. Um, yeah. but yeah it's it's just a great book it looks lovely it reads really well um, the story just continues to amp up the tension throughout you feel for Simon you know despite or maybe because of his obsession um, yeah, he's a yeah sorry no, 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 sorry. Um, I was going to say he's like he's just a really interesting character yeah, he's, yeah very he well he feels very real yeah and his passion like burns through but he's uh -huh. also obviously not the nicest of man no like he's not nice it's not nice to watch his actions but no, his actions are yeah, understandable he's, he's completely righteous you know? he's a righteous yeah. you know it's righteous justice you know well his paranoia ultimately shines through because there is this secret society operating in the background yeah. who you know are plotting to you know continue on with Hitler's work and and that's a great sort of few pages where they're first introduced and they're all drinking red wine and they're all wearing red coats, red and coats yeah. the only thing is I was reminded of a slight joke at this point because I'm a big Brooklyn Nine-Nine fan and what they always shout in Brooklyn Nine-Nine is Nine-Nine and he was shouting <laughs> idiot <laughs> just sort of threw me in for the wrong reasons yeah, I suppose so this is, this is like a like a, a fourth Reich anti-Jewish conspiracy to prevent any Jew from prospering on the shoulders of our German brethren uh, and all that good stuff so yeah Bruno and, Bruno and Simon just continue to try and, uh, and hunt down these, these guys they discover that the, there, there's a, a conspiracy in the operations of the, the Berlin police where there's there's some Nazi Nazi sympathizers or former Nazis there, you know, and uh, they're they're infiltrating different levels of power yeah, within exactly, society. Yeah. So and they they, they they in turn uh, Bruno and Simon in turn attempt to infiltrate that conspiracy with the with the help of a uh, Oliver Smith, uh, black wartime correspondent, um, you know, who Simon gets the sympathies of you know because of his own background and their their shared background and their shared um i guess both sort of downtrodden you know for 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 what they are you know um but yeah it's it, it's just so good so so good there's it's it's clever uh it's beautiful um, it's got a lot to say it's got well. a lot to yeah. say yep yeah. um it, it definitely has got a lot to say and uh it, uh, there's some some great action in it as well, great dialogue, um, and it ends in a bit of a a bit of a twist and a cliffhanger. Yeah, um, uh, and it looks it looks like it's it's maybe going going somewhere else. You I mean, know? this this was originally a Kickstarter, wasn't it? Yeah, when which they, which I yeah. yeah. Um, I'm really interested to see what 
I need to go back to it and look through it and see where yeah. it, where it ends because it's only it's not the entire thing it's only like 40 pages of a Kickstarter so it's like a floppy comic mm. so and the other thing is yeah. what's really interesting is this is apparently inspired by a true story yes and I yeah, know nothing about a, that true story so I, I'd like to do a little bit of uh, of looking and research into into what that might be um, but yeah it's just as, as Raleigh says there is a bit of a or Keith was saying sorry there is a bit of a twist at the end and the thing is I knew the twist was there because I recently read Roddy's um, Kickstarter copy so I'm convinced the Kickstarter copy was almost like a compilation of sorts mm-hmm. to get to draw you in but this, this is a model we're seeing recently a little bit you know, Metal Shark Bro did it yeah, um, there was single a- issue followed by the full trade um, there was another title that did it recently as well wasn't that's there? the scout you're trying to do with like an entire was it binge or something they call their wee imprint yeah yeah so there's a few like there's a lot of people that have done it on Kickstarter and with all the Kickstarter trouble I don't know I'd love to try and do something <coughs> with the soul of the sea and try and get it somewhere mm-hmm. but there's been yeah there's been a few there was one oh, I can't remember its name it had a really funny name Officious or something mm-hmm. that was um, an original graphic novel I didn't think it was anywhere near as good as this but it was the same sort of same sort of idea of original graphic novel and yeah well with this it was Why very not? interesting to say jump from Kickstarter to Image I mean it's not from yeah. Kickstarter no. to Vault or <laughs> yeah. Scout or you know with all due respect to those publishers oh yeah it's an Image book but yeah. the fact that this jumps straight <laughs> to Image is, is damn impressive yeah um, and, and deserved to be there it's class yeah oh really very is. much very and I really much. like that it's yeah as Keith says I'm really hoping this is number one of many because mm. um, yeah I really enjoyed it but the, the twist fell a little bit flat for me because I was reading it going Hold on, I, I seem to remember something about this book, and then the twist came in and went. That's what I remember about this book. Um, but yeah, beautiful sort of Hitchcockian vibes to it. You know, Casablanca level vibes to it. Sort of that classic Hollywood sort of era as well. War torn paranoia. Mm. Yeah, I love that quote in the back from Forbes. You had us at Nazi hunting 007 <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I must uh, must take a wee look and see <coughs> see where that's come from, or is it just is it inspired by general stories of Nazi yeah. hunters, or mm-hmm. is there a specific story on which it's based? You know, yeah, cool. So that brings an end to our month of September. Uh, yeah, two hours we were dreaming. Um, <laughs> We still managed to make it three hours, but there's structure there, people. There's structure. Uh. <laughs> we did. We really honestly tried. That's the, the kind of worst part. To <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I must try harder. I, well, I think I think it was good. Yeah, I, I, I do like worked. this format, yeah. though. I, I think it does make it more focused. And that's the thing. This, this was a month where all the titles we picked were different. Mm-hmm. So there might be months where we all pick the same titles and all the rest but no I, I like the format I think it's definitely got legs um, and it'll also in a weird way make the Mammoth 12 our end of year podcast that we'll inevitably have to do easier because you can just pick out your lists and go well that was the best album that was the best album and then yeah unfortunately we're starting this in September so. <laughs> <laughs> don't run it in my parade um but yeah, as I say, we'd love to hear feedback on the, the sort of format change. As I say, I think it just has a bit more direction rather than just our incessant ramblings about... Because we love comics, so we just, we just ramble and ramble yeah, and There again, we say it, say it every month, but there's so much good stuff yeah. out. And that so was, much good stuff yeah. out. And that was a really good mix of DC, Marvel, and these stuff, which again just shows you know there's quality right across the line. So... 
Um, but yeah, we will leave it there at around three hours and ten <laughs> minutes. But what I am going to do with this one, and I will do moving forward, is um, I will put um, breaks in the description. So I'll say week of the 4th starts at this time, week of the 11th starts at this time. Um, so if there are just certain ones you want to jump to, um, although you wouldn't want to hear our lovely voices mm -hmm. for three hours, mm -hmm. but it'll give you a bit more um, direction with it as yeah, well. And you can, so we can name the titles that were. Yeah, yeah cool. So yeah, pleasure as always, guys. Hope you enjoyed um, your first experience, Kim. Yeah, thanks for jumping on. Yeah, thank you for sharing all your lovely thoughts on Superman and for witnessing me rambling on about Superman. It's like a new jumping on point for people. <laughs> but we're still going to keep legacy numbering, right? Oh, yeah. absolutely, mm -hmm. absolutely. No, no, <laughs> we're not Marvel. We don't go back to Marvel all the time. All the different reworks. So anyway, that was September uh, from us at Coffee and Heroes. So as I say, you can follow us on all the usual social media channels: Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Pop in the store anytime. Um, follow Roddy's work at Fracture Press. Uh, follow Kaelin although he's getting embarrassed because I'm saying to look up his work but he is a good artist you really should it's awesome um, your Twitter handle is uh, Kilmcbride799 at Kilmcbride799 um, I think he thinks <laughs> just search Kilmcbride and he'll probably have a Superman banner and something about the Pope too <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so that's all from us guys we will see you next month good night Cheers. see you soon bye